Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 167, your once-weekly live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm John. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in replay on the podcast over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. We do drink alcohol on the show. However, it is a family-friendly show in both language and content. We read all Super Chats on the air so long as they meet those family-friendly criteria. And if you want to join the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon or Float Plane. Links are both down in the video description. You'll get exclusive access to the Discord server where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all of the hosts from Talking Heads, and keep the conversation going with the awesome community that's over there. Yep. Welcome to the show, everyone. That was a very polished one right there. <laughs> Thank you. I think that's my best one yet. That was, I was like, oh, no hiccups. It, it felt natural. Not even an smooth. Uh. Yeah, not that, even on. It, it almost felt like even your breaths were at the right sections. Yep, yep. No, that one felt really good. <laughs> that, that one was like, I might as well get a job on radio at this point. I, <laughs> it's like, all right, rewind that. We're just going to replay that intro every time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except I'll will have to be forever on episode 167. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've lost count a few times before. Pay no attention that Patreon is 504-ing right now. Well, go to Floatplane. That's what it's there for. <laughs> All right. Oh, and uh, dang it, I forgot one thing. Do let us know what you're drinking if you're following along in chat, and we'll give some shout-outs here in the early show goings. There, it there is. we go. That, that was the one we forgot. Yep, I always forget that one. If I'm going to forget something, it's that. Either that or the podcast, because that's still a fairly recent endeavor, although, God, we're like 20 episodes on podcast now. How's it, how's it doing? Actually, I haven't even checked the podcast. Uh, we've trended on a couple of them before. Yeah, um, that's right. I think we were like top five. We're like, we were the tech. number two podcast or tech podcast on uh gosh which one was that um i don't remember but uh yeah we we were pretty up there with yeah i know i was like why are it's why? like here's <laughs> tested.com and here's this oh and there's craft computing it's like holy crap yeah <laughs> what Woo! <did> that happen? <laughs> oh all right john how you doing this week uh, this week's been pretty good. Pretty good. All right. It's been not too bad. Uh, although I, I went to my uh, property and uh, as you remember last last Wednesday, I don't know if I was on the show or not. Oh, yeah, because the windstorm and everyone's Internet yeah. was down. Yep. Uh, I went there and uh, my in-laws, they're, they're living there and. They didn't. They. I asked him, like, you know, how's the damage? Because there's a lot of trees. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, it's not too bad. But he. Told me he just looked out the window. The, the typical, oh, there's a little branches here, or there, couple branches, you know, a couple yeah. branches. There's yeah. a kind of a big one in the yard, but you know, not not too bad. It's like, okay, great. I go there this past weekend, mm -hmm. and I got to go help my parents move a bed. So I go grab mm -hmm. the truck. As I'm walking, because the truck's in the back barn, I'm walking. I I see to the left of me, all of these trees just falling down that are yeah. being blocked by my house. And I go, I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I walk over there, start counting nine trees wow nine trees total and and for those down. who don't know the trees on that part of the property are between 30 and 50 feet I oh mean, yeah they're, they're, they're not small trees they're not small trees they're like <laughs> long big trees it's like 
Oh, and then the, the worst part too, they were the trees that were blocking like our property from the view of the neighbor. Oh no. And so oh. it's like, ugh, now I got to cut them up and I'm going to have a perfect view of my neighbor's dining room. And it's like, yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> so I'm thinking this weekend, I'm going to bust out the chainsaw and anyone wants any firewood. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I actually just bought a cord of firewood last Wednesday. <laughs> up. So I'm good for a while. <laughs> I got, I got a couple more kids. 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 I'll just pre-season them. Then you can have them awesome. next year. <laughs> that'll, that'll work for me. Yeah. Cause uh, that was, it was only $320 delivered for a cord of kiln dried firewood i mean yeah it was not bad at all so all right let's get this show rolling oh, there's uh, already a quite a few people uh showing what they're drinking already yes uh um, $2.99 donation uh bigs big spoon happy hump day thank you so much spoon uh let's see we've got uh, michael's drinking a mad tree psychopathy uh ipa 6.9 percent 60 ibu and 3.78 on untapped sounds nice. pretty solid uh, Elijah Craig with Dragon's Milk for Later. That is a solid combo. Yep. Uh, thank you, William. Uh, Reverend is sipping on this salty and acidic sequench ale from Dogfish Head while in while enjoying my COVID. Yeah, uh, for those who don't know, Rhett or Rev. Rev. Rev <laughs> is uh, one of our moderators, both on the YouTube and over in the Discord. And uh, he tested positive for COVID this week. So all, all good thoughts and good vibes over to, to Rev. As yeah. uh, I did offer him if he wanted to ship his beers to me and i could describe them for him because he has lost all taste yes um, although i will say the sequencer ale uh, at least that doesn't have a whole lot of taste and it's good and salty basically so if he has any taste at all at least he might taste a little bit of salt so maybe it'll clear some sinuses up yeah yep <laughs> so <laughs> uh let's see what else we got uh jojo drinking cincinnati's own ragice truth uh, we got Skull has a Bullet 95 Rye Old Fashioned. Ooh, that's a personal that favorite a, of mine. Yeah, I know. What'd you go with for the bitters this time around? That's what I want to know. Um, so I've been I've been experimenting with some new bitters. And, oh, really? Uh, I, I got some barrel-aged ones from uh, Bitter Housewife that are just fantastic. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, like, like nothing against Angostura. Angostura is the ketchup of the bar. Yeah. But but you can you can get some some bitters that will totally transform drinks beyond what Angostura already does. It's like these so. are now Portland ketchup. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> this is this is real tomatoes where, <laughs> where, where, where Angostura is like, yeah, it's mostly sugar and water and some yeah. red dye. It right. tastes good, but... Well, it, it's cinnamon and nutmeg and, and stuff like that. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, you get into some real fancy bitters, especially, uh, you know, just the, the standard spice bitters and stuff like that. Oh, there's some good stuff out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Angostura orange, only bitter he has right now. That's not, oh, not a that's, terrible one to go. Uh, no, that, uh, those are usually the orange bitters of choice. Yeah, I got that one. Yep, yep. Uh, let's see, got a couple more and then we'll open our own beers here. Uh, uh, Emil is drinking a New Belgium Captain Dynamite IPA, 7.7%. We got McLord Beavis Mountain Dew Zero. That's fine, you don't have to have alcohol. That's right, I think I saw Code Red a little bit ago too. I don't remember who that was, but, uh, oh, Kildy. Yeah. He's drinking a Code Red. Uh, so this will date me, but back in high school, uh, 
our jazz uh jazz ensemble band uh was sponsored by Mountain Dew Code Red because we named our band Code Red. Um <laughs> and uh so we got free t-shirts and and drinks all the time. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Uh, we got Lethal is drinking a Chocoveza Stout by Stone. Nice. Uh, Novella Hub has a Goose Island Christmas IPA. I don't remember them coming out with a Christmas IPA. Yeah. Hmm. All right. All right. Let's go uh, ahead and uh, get to the opening. Uh, um, now, now we, we talked about this beforehand. Uh, so John goes, what do you got? Because he had a couple IPA sitting out and I went, well, I've got stouts tonight. He goes, big stout, little stout. I got, I got like a medium one and a big stout. So I, now it's time for the reveal. Cause I don't know what he's drinking and he doesn't know what I'm drinking. Yeah, and I, so. I know one of mine he doesn't have. So, <laughs> so you I think, cause I, I went shopping today. <laughs> John, try me on this one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, but unfortunately I could not find a medium stout. All of my stouts were big. So yep. I had to go for a, medium-esque ipa but i really wanted to i bought this beer just for today so i was like ah yeah. I, I do have a big stout though for later so but my uh, first beer is alvarado street brewing the f40 yes so it's a i think it's a very cool i literally bought it just for the can art that I was is like, a I don't freaking know cool can is. i was like that's not such a cool can yeah um so a double <laughs> ipa 8.1 percent Okay, not bad. You almost matched me exactly on the percentage. Um, I've got an Ex Novo. Okay. Uh, this is a robust American stout, full-bodied with notes of dark roasted coffee, as a imperial stout, stout should, stout should be. Uh, this is the uh, the Penguin Tuxedo. Oh, okay. This this is one that I have not seen from Ex Novo before. I uh, have so not seen that either. 8.0. 8 okay. And... Uh, X Novo is one of those ones like they really don't make anything bad. Where no, honestly, it everything's either solid or excellent or above bar, right? Yeah. Right, yeah, I think I think my here. only complaints I've ever had from an X Novo beer is that like acidic burn. It was like, okay, this is really good flavor. I right. just can't have more than eight ounces of it. Right. Exactly. And, and then that's nothing bad about the beer. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that is a nice double IPA. Uh, John says, Old Rasputin is one of the best Imperial stats I've ever had. That is certainly a classic. That is a very good classic. Th that is a quintessential what an Imperial stout should be. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's the benchmark for a lot of, you know, dark beer makers. Yeah. If you say Russian Imperial stout, what's your favorite or what's your standard go to? Old Rasputin. Old Rasputin's got to be at oh. or near the, the very top of your list. Yeah. So. If you want to get variants off of that, sure. You know, oh, barrel aged or, yeah. but no, old Rasputin for a standard 10% Imperial. You can't do much better. Oh yeah. No. And I, I actually have a couple, uh, one of the barrel aged ones. I've had a few of them before. But yeah. yeah. I think I have a whiskey or bourbon a couple years old. How's your stout? Oh, that's smooth. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Like, oh, and the coffee comes very late. Wow. <laughs> now, is this is this the beer that I don't have? Mm -mm. Okay, so the next one is the surprise one. The next one's the surprise one. Okay. And it is 
Oh, all right. Well, you beat me Ooh. on that for mine. By all right. a, like, I think a whole percent, too. Yeah. Wow. So, so yeah. I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not often. <laughs> nope, nope. So, mine's John, cr- John goes, crap, now i got to find a 15.5 or something. <laughs> I, I do have that. I know. It's like, I don't want to drink it, though. <laughs> well, that's what, when I was pulling it out, I was like, oh, that's a 10. Oh, that's a 15. Oh, that's a that's a 14. I need a small stout. Oh, yeah. I drank them all. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's my problem too. Is small stouts don't last long in my house. Yeah. Um so uh yeah, no, I uh I grabbed uh early for the show. I was looking out what beers I had and uh I was originally going to come on and just drink one because I have a Deschutes uh the Big Butte uh 31 or whatever the special oh, yeah. edition the new one, is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 13, eight in, oh. <laughs> in a almost crowler. It's a 28. Ounce. Oh yeah. The, the big bomber yeah. style. Yeah. Uh, hang on a second. Yes, yep. buddy. Go for it. What's up? Hot dog says, try some mixed drinks with the videos. The um, actually, I have considered doing an all cocktail month. Um, and that may happen. Uh, maybe in, in March, I'll do an all cocktail month. And uh, if you're on the on the Patreon or the float plane, I'll do the uh, the recipes to go along with that. I'll do actually do like mixology episodes with that. So that'll be the premium content for that month. So you know, cocktails in March? Yeah, cocktails in March. All right. I de- I declare March cocktail month on craft computing. All right, good because I'm not going to do no 100 calorie marks then, <laughs> like last year. We learned from last year. Yeah, I learned from last year. That was <laughs> horrible too because that was the start of everything, and I was like, man, I'm stuck at home and I got to drink 100 calorie beer <laughs> for the rest of the month. <laughs> cocktail March Madness. I think Skull just named it. There we go. Nice. Excellent. Hopefully I don't get a cease and desist from the NCAA. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's get this thing started since we're 15 minutes in now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, So I think everyone knows at this point uh, that I recently, (laughs) I declare cocktail month. That's good. Uh, I think everyone knows that recently I purchased a new laptop. I purchased an M1 MacBook Pro 13 inch, uh, base model 13 inch, 1299. Um, pretty much on the promise of performance and battery life. And spoiler alert, I've been thrilled. Um, I've been absolutely enamored with this laptop. It has been everything that they sold it as being in the uh, the Apple presentation that I actually use it for. I can't say that all use cases are going to be, you know, night and day transformations. Um, and especially from what I was coming from on a laptop, which was a 12 inch MacBook. Um, it was the i7, but two core, four thread, 15 watt part. It, it wasn't a, a world beater. Uh, but this laptop in performance has been incredible. Uh, even for some gaming, like I play crisis on this thing at 60 frames per second, 1080p ultra settings in crossover, which is using like wine and DX DXVK 
to translate DX 10 and 11 over to Vulcan. And this thing kicked the crap out of that game. It was, <laughs> and, and I know it's, ooh, 2007, you know, but Crisis is still demanding, especially on single threaded CPUs. And uh, it held up. It really did. Um, I was trying to get Cyberpunk uh, playing on this when Cyberpunk released, but uh, Crossover right now does not yet support DX12, and Cyberpunk is a DX12 only game. Uh, but I wanted to be the first person to run Cyberpunk on a Mac, and that was going to be like the video that I put out the release week, and I just couldn't quite make it happen. I probably could if I compiled my own Mesa and you know, but I didn't have that kind of time. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I've been thrilled with the new Mac, but there's, I do have some complaints. Uh, complaint number one is a complaint that's been around since 2016 when Apple introduced the touch bar. Uh, <laughs> the much maligned, you know, OLED screen to replace your function and, and quick keys because... I used to use the volume up, down, mute, brightness up, down, keyboard light up, down. I don't need a dedicated emoji bar when I'm typing things. I don't need uh, text corrections to show up on the on the bar when I'm typing. That requires me to take my hand off and press on the word that I want, rather than just if you guessed right, I'm going to hit space and move on. Like, think of workflow when you're typing. This is a lot easier than that yeah you know it, and so the touch bar for me that and there's no tactile response to it um there's no muscle memory for where things are supposed to be because they're always moving around uh it's difficult to customize uh it you takes have to you work, out of your zone it takes you out of your zone and you have to rely on on software developers to integrate features into it um and then that's more time on them and is it worth it for them um, and then there's some really stupid integrations that I just flat out don't like. Uh, Chrome has put uh, a couple of buttons on there for like new tab and back. It's like, yeah, because the swipe on the trackpad was way too difficult to remember. And <laughs> so I'd rather reach up and press a non-tactile button to go back on a web page. Um, and so what I end up doing a lot of times is as my hand is moving to adjust volume or something like that, I'll end up going back on the web page by mistake because my hand hits a glass touch bar and it goes, oh, you wanted to go back. No. So the touch bar is terrible. Apple's made a lot of really weird design decisions in the last four or five years that I have just not been a fan of. Um, they just think I'm, it's cool. So like, oh, it's cool. So it's innovative. It it looks cool. I mean, it 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 looks flashy, but it is absolutely not functional. Um. Well, it seems that after years of complaints, Apple might be starting to maybe listen to consumers again. Because uh, remember when they first started going Intel in 2006, 2007, the machines they came out with were pretty good, um, but they weren't great. Uh, I, I had a 2007 MacBook Pro and a 2006 MacBook, and boy, those were those were dogs. <laughs> um, I mean, they were, they were good enough for the time and they ran OS X and I could dual boot windows and Ooh, but man, those were not great laptops. Um, yeah. and Apple listened and they made them more robust and they kept them serviceable with two and a half inch SSDs and 
user replaceable memory and stuff like that. Uh, things that are like mind blowing for today. It's like, no, they totally did that back then. Um, but Apple is looking at bringing back some old features that they've nixed in the past um, for, for various reasons. First and foremost, they're looking at introducing the, the Apple Silicon MacBook Pro with no touch bar, uh, going kind of back to basics. Uh, so supposedly there's going to be a 14 and 16 inch. Or, it's going to look or, just like that. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, we're going back to basics, like that, like I said. Um, but uh, yeah, no touch bar on the new MacBook Pro. Hopefully, hopefully that's money that they can spend on something else in the system. Uh, That'd be nice if there were all macro keys. Right. You could just program them yourself, whatever you want. Or just bring back my function keys, F1 through 12 with volume <laughs> up, down, brightness up, down. The things that I need every single day, <laughs> constant access to. Uh, yeah, those things would be nice to have quick access to with muscle memory and tactile response. Like, how how was that so difficult to understand from a workflow standpoint? They're that people who use professional machines then... for professional workflow might <laughs> appreciate that in their workflow. <laughs> They'll bring it back, but they're going to be like, no, no, no. We're going to move everything around to what you're used to. So it's all going to be different. Right. <laughs> it's going to be uh, volume up is on the left hand, far left hand, and volume down is going to be on the far right hand. You know, when the MacBook first launched, uh, the volume up down was on the left and the brightness was on the right on like F9 and F10. And uh, the, the mute volume up and down was F1, F2, F3. And then somewhere along the lines, they flipped them. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. uh, that's going to happen. I, right. I and, and the volume keys have moved multiple times uh, <laughs> because for a while they were F10, 11, 12. For a while they were uh, 8, 9, 10. Um, so yeah, they've shifted around a lot. But if it's your laptop and you're using that laptop for two, three, four years, you get used to where that's at. So that's yeah. not that big of a deal. Um, but uh, there's a couple other features that will probably make Apple fans very excited to have back. Uh, They're bringing back the MagSafe connector. You know, the power cable that really never had a problem and works better than USB-C and doesn't yank your computer across the desk that everyone loved for a decade. Yeah, they're bringing that back because, well, USB-C just isn't as good. I don't know why they thought it would be. It's not a cost-saving measure because USB-C is expensive to implement still. But... <laughs> MagSafe, coming back. About time. Uh, well, also, it takes up a port, yeah. Right. Also, SD cards. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, okay, okay. Apples are known for, like, the major thing is, like, video and photography editing and sound stuff. Okay, mm -hmm. for videographers and the, and anyone taking photos, what do they have? You know, SD cards. SD cards. Ninety nine percent of the time, it's not okay. Let me interface with my wire, plug in, or or do that Air Apple Air swipe, you know, cloud thing that they tried to implement. It's yeah. SD card. You pop out the SD card, plop it in, and the speed of your SD card in your reader that that's what people wanted to use. Right. It's yep. ridiculous. But yeah, the. the I think oh, just airdrop your footage from a compatible camera over the. I'm not yeah. dropping 400 gigs yeah. from my video file over Wi-Fi to my laptop. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm dumping it to either a storage server or I'm editing it on the spot, and I'm plugging my SD card in to do that. Now, 
I'm I'm kind of in the minority. I shoot on USB-C SSDs because I bought a camera specifically to do that. But it's a weird, not everyone does that. No. Uh, anyone who's on the Sony ecosystem, you shoot on SD cards. Uh, I mean, John, Epos. I just seen Epos. Yeah, everyone shoots on SD cards. Well, no, Epos shoots on CFast. Oh, I thought he had a Sony. Uh, he had, no, he has a, a, an, uh, uh, Ursa Mini 5.6K. Oh, I've seen a couple of reviews he's done on Sony's. So yeah, he's done some Sony stuff, but okay. uh, but no, his primary A camera is a, a Blackmagic Ursa Mini 4.6K. Oh, well, I know. Um... And it's a good looking camera, let me tell you. Yeah. He was, supposed to, he was supposed to let me borrow it on alternate weekends, but... <laughs> the Brian... Brian, all right, whatever. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah, does he have, he has a Sony. Yeah, Brian has a Sony. He got, he bought a Sony 3. Um, yeah, the, no, there's a lot of people who shoot on Sony. Um, I shot on Sony for a couple of years uh, yeah. until I went to Fuji for a year um, with the X-T2, which was, or X-T3, which was a fantastic camera, but still had its limitations. And then finally got a cinema camera because I was tired of working around those limitations. And then Sony comes out with the, uh, with the A7 uh a7s3 and it's like oh, oh come on yeah well that's, that's what why i, I thought that's why i thought he, uh epos had, had it because i know he did a review on that camera no he has an a7 II, uh which is a full frame uh mirrorless uh camera uh he took that to ces and he's done a couple other things like that uh he's also reviewed the the black magic uh Pocket Cine 4K. Oh, yeah. That one's and, a cool camera. Co yeah. So he, he's done quite a bit of reviews on cameras. And uh, most recently, he's done a review on the uh, the one that I have, the ZV-1. Oh, yeah. Um, didn't he use yours? <laughs> no, no, he didn't. Uh, did, or didn't he do a video on your camera, though, at uh, CES two yes. years ago? Yeah, we yeah we did a collab last, last year. <laughs> last year. A year ago last week. <laughs> oh. It's been 83 <laughs> years. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but no, Apple bringing back features that were popular mainstays of their products should be applauded. It really should be. Um, now, I still wish they were more repairable and I wish they were more consumer friendly, um, but they still swayed me into buying a MacBook despite my complaints about the ecosystem. Now, I don't use any of the Apple ecosystem other than Mac OS. Um, I, I buy software from elsewhere. I, I don't have an iPhone, but man, when you're looking for like a mobile professional rig, I don't think there's anything better than you can get right now than possibly the Apple M1. Um, and I'm hoping that's the story for quite a while and maybe even doubling the performance when the MacBook Pro 16 inch comes out because they usually oh, this one has eight cores. It's got four yeah. low cores and, and four high power cores. Guess what? The MacBook Pro is going to have 12 high power cores or some crap like that. Yeah. Or, well, the, that, or the yeah. rumored 32 high power core that they're going to put in the Mac Pro, which is going to decimate just about everything. <laughs> the 64 core Threadripper might have an edge up still, but there's not much else. <laughs> yeah. No, it'll, it'll be nice. I think it's all probably because they took over their own dies. Uh, their own processors mm -hmm. um and i think the whole like dongle situation and the bar really just like 
so many complaints. I'm I'm sure there's still going to be plenty of dongle usage now, but I do know the SD card reader uh, and having to buy a dongle, then it takes up a USB-C port, uh, was a big issue. I yes. heard that a lot of time. And it's yeah. like, well, again, too, for like, like you said, a videographer, he has to have all these dongles and it's just more accessories that they have to take on this portable um, editing rig or, or whatever mm-hmm. rig they're trying to use. And if he forgets it, he's screwed. And he's got to go right. spend 40, 50 bucks at some electronic store to go and get it because he needs to finish it that day. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and USB-C connectivity, it's great because you can plug everything into it. The problem is if everything you own is USB-C, USB-C is expensive and not easily to implement in a lot of laptops. And in most cases, you can't expand USB-C connectivity. You can only downsample USB-C connectivity. So you can't get a USB-C to four port USB-C hub. That doesn't exist because of the power constraints and bandwidth constraints for top end USB-C equipment. Things that'll transfer, you know, 20 gigabit per second, for example, or uh, eGPU docks and things like that. Mm -hmm. You can't have one into even two ports is very, very rare. Um, But uh, the problem is when you're relying on it for charging and for SSD connectivity, for videography input or a second hard drive because you bought the 256 gig model instead of the one terabyte model because you didn't feel like paying Apple $600 for the privilege uh, or you know whatever else, you only have two USB-C ports. That is your expansion. Now, yeah, you could live that dongle life, yo, and carry you know a USB-C to six port USB or like what I do is I have a, USB-C to three port USB 3.0, as well as gigabit ethernet on it. Um, So when I'm actually doing professional work, I can get gigabit speeds. Um, But but even that has its limitations. So yeah, I'm glad to see Apple moving this direction. Yeah, well, even even the uh, this article even talked about um, even the design might be going a little more uh, instead of the tapered design, mm-hmm. a little flat. So yep. you might see a little bit thicker of that, you know, MacBook Pro. <gasps> thicker? Oh no, thicker. You can't yeah. do that. Uh, <laughs> but it's probably going to feel. Would that sturdier. include more battery? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, um, although I do, I, I will say I've always enjoyed or, the Apple or Gasp a competent cooling solution. <laughs> <laughs> so I do I do like the de- sleek design of the um, uh, MacBooks, though, when they were tapered. I, I kind yeah. of like them. Um, they I were, like the they tapered very... edge, but but yeah. I, I said uh, in my initial unboxing of the MacBook Pro that the reason I bought the MacBook Pro instead of the MacBook Air, I know they're the same processor and I was going to buy the upgrade to the MacBook Air anyway to get the extra GPU core and 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 a couple other things and I ended up going the MacBook Pro. And the reason I did that was weight in the hand. It's because the MacBook Air was a back heavy device and in my hand it felt like at one point I was going to drop it. I was going to lose center of gravity somewhere and it was going to plummet from my hand. Whereas the MacBook, wherever I grab it, it's the same weight, it's the same balance. I know what it's doing. And that's very important to me. Now on the MacBook, the 12 inch, uh, it's a two pound laptop. It's not that big of a deal. When you start pushing that three, three and a half pound, when you get into the the heavier 
devices like the MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, yeah. the weight starts to matter and the distribution of weight starts to matter, especially as it gets further away from center. And I wasn't going to risk dropping a MacBook Air because it didn't feel right. <laughs> well, yeah, it felt thin. Like if I drop it, it's going to shatter on these edges. Right. I know it. Right. It's the same performance. You paid $150 more. Yeah. I also got 16 hours battery life instead of 14. So yeah. I, I counted as a win. That's a good beer. Yeah. That's a really good beer. No, I'm, I'm really that was $11 into... for a four pack too. That's like cheap. it was. Yeah. I was surprised. Wow, so, uh, no, X Noble came out with a bunch of stuff lately. Um, yeah, I saw that they have their, uh, their binary IPA, yeah. which by the way, I had last week and that is freaking fantastic as well. It's a 10% double IPA. And it reminded me a lot of Megalodon, uh, from Nikasi, oh, like yeah. it, like it's Citra and Mosaic. And, and it was fantastic. Uh, and that was, I think, 12 bucks for a four pack. That's nothing. That's three they, bucks a pint. I know. And they had, I, I bought like four four packs the other day, just ex novo. And I felt like <laughs> such a shill. <laughs> but it's, but I, like, I got home and I'm, I'm opening them and I'm like, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Time, to, time to fill up that horn. Yeah. With two of them. <laughs> I declare February a horn February. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's wrong with society? We don't drink from uh, drink the blood of our enemies anymore. <laughs> That's right. I know. We should. I thought about. It. <laughs> I, I didn't know if I should do it or not, but there was like uh, uh, I saw this. Little, sorry, little... I, sorry. I love that we're thirty five minutes in and we've only been to one story, so we should probably move on. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> Right. I don't mean to be the moderator. All, all of a right. Well, you're the, yeah, whatever. Anyways. <laughs> I can ramble, but you know what? This is my show, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Fine. Well, you're mad at me, but tell you what, I got a lead on where you can possibly earn yourself $70 million for dumpster diving. I'm listening. $70 million. $70 million. $70 million for dumpster diving. Okay. That is not a euphemism. That is not an exaggeration. That is, someone will pay you $70 million if you're able to find a hard drive in a landfill. Okay. The reason <laughs> being is that hard drive happens to have 7,500 Bitcoins on it. That was thrown away in 2013 <laughs> because... Bitcoin was pretty much useless. 7,500 <laughs> Bitcoins could buy you like three Domino's pizzas and a Slurpee. Oh, God. that Because that reminds me of the guy who like bought a Domino's pizza with Bitcoin. That was the first ever real world, you know, yeah. Bitcoin for oh, product transaction guy, from a retail company. Was someone, was someone bought a large Domino's pepperoni pizza, which is like $7.99 uh, with, I think like, like four Bitcoin or something like that. <laughs> Right. Today, Domino's going, yeah, it's 120,000. <laughs> <laughs> well, they probably held on to it. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. let us pay for a new franchise. Anyway, so yeah, uh, this man, uh, James Howells, mined Bitcoin for four years when it was very early on, earned 7,500 Bitcoin and went, well, this is pointless. And when he was salvaging hard or scrapping hard drives, he went, well, I don't need this one anymore and tossed it. Uh, and all of a sudden he realized, wow, Bitcoin's at $40,000. 
I wonder if we could find that drive. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, so so it sounds like so yeah, it's a guy from Welsh, uh, a city in Newport, uh, yep. and he will cut in. Basically, he it looks like he was going to the city council and saying, "If you allow me or anyone to go to the land site, landfill site uh, that we use during these, it looks like a couple months, yeah, um, to dig for, it, and if it." is still able to get the data out of it right he'll cut them in for 25 hello drive savers yes yes <laughs> i'll right. pay yes i'll pay the eight thousand dollars for a platter swap exactly <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know no problem yeah so yeah uh basically so i heard you totally... can recover anything now <laughs> anything right okay so yeah uh it's estimated total currently when this article was written 275 million dollars is yep. stored on that hard drive yep he goes i'll give you a quarter of it if you let me find it yeah or if you find it i'll give you a quarter of it <laughs> and the city said no <laughs> i love that city said no no way no no guarantee it, it's gonna pollute the neighborhood oh gosh oh man i bet that guy is kicking himself so hard yep yep oh he's probably mining again anyways and like oh i got a fraction of one so um <laughs> i think i mentioned this at one time uh back in 2012 13 when like my gpu mining was first coming around um i looked at investing in a bunch of graphics cards and i had access to computer labs at the time uh for local universities and schools and things like that and it's like well they're not used during the summer and it's an air-conditioned room, and I can rent the room as a community member for $30 a day, and I don't have to pay electricity because that's not part of the contract. Let's see, what would my investment be if I just bought, you know, 40 or 50 GTX, or at the time, AMD 290s? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How much would I be into that, and would I get Bitcoin in return? You know, what's the cheapest graphics card that I can buy to stuff in 40 machines and uh, and start start mining? Uh, me and a friend thought about going in on that project, and I kind of wish I would have. Yeah, I don't think, I think a lot of people, though, uh, you know, bailed on Bitcoin, especially when they hit like that $1,000 mark, and they probably cashed out like right away. They're yeah. like, oh, this will never get any higher, and they probably kicked themselves yep. for it. And, and then, you know, to be, I think it says like $35,000 a coin, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's sitting at 35 right now. Yeah, and... Um, it peaked near 40. It was like 38.5 or 39. Yeah, like who who would sit there and be like, I'm going to hold on to this for seven years when right. it, it went up and down quite a lot. And there's been plenty of, you know, highs, not never this high, but plenty of highs to where you would have made a mint off of it. And you'd be like, oh, screw it. I'd, so... I don't think you would have been holding on to those Bitcoins still. But man, even I was like, I don't know about this Bitcoin thing. Although I, I wonder how much Bitcoin is worth. The, uh, Bit, no, that, that was Bitcoin. I want to know how much that one's worth. Well, well, he was brought up on, uh, on FCC charges. So I know well, those are probably those are... not doing as well. Ah. Uh, I wonder if I can like 
Ollie, uh, those are the bitcoins you get on wish.com. Right. <laughs> Why are there three eyes? <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into uh, the purchase that I made this week, or we'll, we'll call it a pre-order because this company actually has a track record of delivering. Uh, I'm talking, of course, of GPD. Uh, so Gamepad Digital, as as they are known, they are a Hong Kong-based company, um, and they make portable gaming laptops. But they're not really laptops; they're palm top PCs. Which, number one, I have always been enamored with micro technology, with with like palm top tech or miniaturization and stuff. Oh like yeah, that. I I love ever since ever since handhelds came out or the uh, the the tab you know the handheld. Right. Um, typing tablets right uh yeah when i was in high school this will date me again but uh most people were like spending money on going to the movies at the movie theater or the arcade or you know things like that yeah. or buying game consoles you know go out and buy a nintendo 64. um i went out and i bought a palm pilot and i used it and i loved it it was oh, freaking amazing. I, oh, I had I had the uh, attachable foldable keyboard that yep. you mounted it, so you had a yep. full key, uh, keyboard on oh, it. Oh no, great. Yeah, the, the key. I had the keyboard. I had I had one of the the accordion keyboards. Yeah. Um, but man, graffiti was boss. Oh no, graffiti no, was incredible. I, I, I was faster at graffiti for like two years of high school than I was actually touch typing. Uh, no, but I, I use that thing for all of my class notes. Right now, I, I would I would sit in class with just a Silas and, and the palm and I'd be doing this. Yeah. Like, I still know the language. I still know the alphabet. <laughs> um, and uh, and whatnot. And the teacher's going, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm taking notes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. My teacher no, you're too. not. And it's like, here's your entire lecture word for word. Like, yes, I am. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, my, mine too. Because all they hear is, you know, because the yeah, because it, it's loud, and so everyone's with the pencil. Right. He's like, "What are you doing?" I'm taking notes. Yeah. Although after he stopped doing that, I did go back to play. Space Trader. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or Dope Wars. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wasn't stupid. Right. <laughs> I knew what to do. Right. Exactly. But no. Um. So I've always been infatuated by that. And uh, I, I've mentioned a couple times, but I'll, I'll give shout outs again. So two of my, my users on this wonderful chat have blessed me with the presence of these two devices. So here is the GPD Win 1 and here is the GPD Win 2. And man, I have been enjoying both thoroughly. Um, I have... 30 hours into this one, and I think about 25 into the GPD-2. And they sent them over in December after I just mentioned them on, on the show. Like, I've always wanted one of those. And two people reached out within a week and said, well, I have one of those. Do you want it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and they've been fantastic. And I've been playing the hell out of them. Uh, playing way more on those than I have even on my desktops. Although I've been streaming my desktop to these some of the time. Um, and so freaking awesome, right? Well, it convinced me that when the GPD win three was announced, I kind of want one of those. And, and, and especially because it's a return to the Sony UMPC form factor, uh, which was always a favorite of mine. Yeah. It is, uh, a tablet first. So it kind of looks like a switch mini. It, yeah. It's a, it's a 5.5 inch screen, only 720p. 
Um, but it's almost the exact same dimensions as a Nintendo Switch Mini or a Nintendo Switch Lite. This, yeah, the Lite. Um, but it has a snap-up oh, keyboard. That was all the sexy the, part. All of the Sony Vio UMPC. By the way, if someone has a Sony Vio UMPC, I want one. I will put a bounty up for one if you have one. It has to work, but I would be willing to pay some money for it. Not a lot, but some. Um, because at best, it's a core solo. At worst, it's an atom. <laughs> like, um, like let's let's atom. be real. But, <laughs> but this is a phenomenal form factor. They did away with most of my major complaints of the one and the two, and that is the lack of an uh, L3-R3 click on the, uh, on the joysticks which made some games fairly difficult to play because it's like, oh, press L3 to crouch. And it's like, okay, where's L3 on the keyboard here? Yeah. And it just wasn't all that intuitive. Um, so now the joysticks click, they can actually be, you know, proper L2, R3, or L3, R3 buttons. Um, the L2, R2, so your trigger buttons, are now analog instead of just button presses. So driving games and space flight games and whatnot, things that's that you need an actual like feather <clears throat> throttle for, you can use it now. That's what uh, you want. And I haven't even gotten into the specs of this thing, which are pretty impressive. Uh, Jeff Budget Linus, yeah. I'm not putting out a $10,000 bounty for an Estendo DLP. Although if you have one, I will drive to see it. Uh, and by <laughs> the like, way, I knew about that I TV. I knew about that 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 display when it was released. Linus had never heard about it before. <clears throat> I actively shopped for one for years because I was a flight sim and racing fanatic, and you could not get any better than a curved forty-three inch triple triple wide DLP screen. So yeah, and I knew it was an Alienware release, and Ostendo was the OEM. <laughs> Nah. budget minus right. my ass <laughs> <laughs> no i actually i like the uh the uh programmable uh keys on the back too though yes that is a huge thing i like um that. but so specs. right so so rather than having like a full you know tactile keyboard they've gone for a a touch panel keyboard uh which just touch panel and a little haptic feedback and honestly that's just fine i'm not writing essays on this thing i'm playing no. games and so games needs to be the first, second, third, and fourth consideration in ergonomics and where are you spending your money and what features can you kind of skimp on. And I don't think this keyboard is really a skimp because it is a, a capacitive touch keyboard with haptic feedback. So you know when you press a button, it has pretty much everything you need. It has your function buttons. So if you have certain macros or certain features that need those buttons or uh, you need to hit alt enter to, to open a, to open up a game in full screen or whatever. It has those available. And then you can click the screen back down and you've got a switch style interface. Uh, the buttons on the back are going to be fantastic for yeah. things like RetroArch, um, where you need some programmable keys, some quick access programmable keys, things like load a save state or save a save state or go back to the main menu or yeah. <laughs> any of those Instead things. Instead of having to that... swipe the screen up. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Um, so those are going to be a fantastic addition to this. Um, it does start at $7.99. It's, 
it's not for everyone. This is it's a, not, it, it is, that's a pretty decent laptop price right there. Right, right. Um, I, I pre-ordered the 949 version, which is the i7, which gets you 50 or 20% more, uh, GPU cores. It's a 96 instead of an 80, I think. Um, so 20, 25% more graphics performance and a higher boost clock on the i7 at a, at the same wattage. Uh, I've been watching a lot of reviews from, uh, Taki and the Fox and, or Taki, I guess, Taki, the Fox and, uh, ETA. So shout out to those guys. Cause you do fantastic content. Um, but yeah, I bought one of these and I'm hoping to have one of the first retail samples. Uh, now so. what, I, yeah, what I also like too is, uh, they do, I do, I like it, I don't like it, but is the dock option. They are giving you an option to buy a dock. It's $50. Um, now you can't go and just buy the dock separately. I think you have to buy it with like the package. Right, and I got the dock. You, I got the i7 with the oh, dock. Good, good, yeah, that's cool. So yeah, with that, then you theoretically could, you know, this is, is a laptop if you wanted to. Right. Now, this is a workstation, you can go and, it's got three USB uh, sections, an Ethernet port. That's fantastic. HDMI and uh, uh, USB-C. Yep. I assume that's the power. Yep. Yeah, here's the, the brick. <clears throat> and so, yeah, Type-C connection on the rear for power. Uh, you've got three USB 3 ports, an HDMI connection, and an RJ45. Yeah, um, so that's fantastic. Yep. I mean, uh, it, actually, I was I was very curious about this. And then using um, you know, like Google streaming games and all that type of stuff. Um, or what, what was the other company that, is it just Google that's doing that streaming Google game? Stadia. Yeah. Um, yeah, Stadia. I, I wanted to use Stadia on this and see how well that performed. Right. And, and the, all of that is very appealing. Um, I know I right. talked to a couple guys at work and they're like, you know, I'm a casual gamer, but I don't want, I, they, they have a Switch or they have a PlayStation. And they're like, I like that form factor. I, I want to be in bed. And I told them about Stadia. And then I showed them this. And they're like, if that is compatible and my Wi-Fi is good enough, I'm like, that's a game changer. This works. This is great. They can play all of their games that they want. <laughs> I love you guys. I freaking love you guys. Oh, my uh, gosh. Plutonium Shore, $5 donation. I have a GPD pocket. It's practically new. Keys on the keyboard stopped working inexplicably. But everything else is mint. It's yours if you want to. I will take it. Because I love stuff like this. I, I love micro PC tech. It, I have a fascination with it. Um, I grew up watching tricorders on, on TNG, and that's essentially why I originally bought a Palm Pilot and essentially kind of why I do what I do now is I'm enamored with tech, you know, and I don't think I've said enamored more in my life than I have tonight. <laughs> I have this thing where you say a word once and I have to say it like nine more times. However, it normally doesn't stick. So no one, yeah. no one got that joke. Come on. <laughs> However, now, I, I, I do like this, but there is in fact, actually another company that is coming out recently yes. with something very similar. Uh, so clay says hoping AMD releases a kick-ass APU that equals PS five level graphics with eight CPU cores. Uh, that's actually coming a lot faster than you think it is. Uh, not in this product, but, no, but there's an AMD competitor on this ultra mobile space. Uh, by the way, plutonium, uh, 
get in touch with me. Uh, you can DM me on Twitter. My my uh, DMs are open at Craft Computing, or you can email the business contact from YouTube. Uh, I'll respond to either one of them. I would or be more than thrilled pay, to pay or, for shipping. Or or he can join the Patreon and talk to you there. Or you want to send uh, <laughs> send, send a GPD or a Sony Vio? <laughs> Skull has the PO box right down below. <laughs> He's all like, uh, uh, you send that to me for free, free Discord access. That's right. Uh, uh, Rom wants to know if we've tried the condiment yet, Grandma. Uh, I gave it to John uh, right after Christmas for uh, uh, carbonization. Oh. Yes, no, carbonation. So carbonization. We, we, got, we got it, and uh, uh, Jeff and I did not sync up this past weekend. Yes. So um, we will try to do that probably soon, as soon as possible. Hopefully, we can do it before the next show that we're both on, and then we can do it then. Yep. So. Anyway, uh, not to be outdone, AMD, well, not AMD themselves, because by the way, the uh, the GPD Win 3 uh, is rocking an 11th gen Tiger Lake. Uh, i th i5 or i7, both four cores, eight threads with uh, Intel Xe graphics, um, and the early results are good. Um, and like I said, I've been playing on these things enough lately, where I can sit up on my couch and play games, or I can sit in bed for two hours after my wife has gone to sleep because I have insomnia, and I can play games without disturbing her. It's fantastic. Um, convinced me to buy one. Uh, now, this one was announced quite a while ago. This one was announced uh, like three or four months ago, I want to say. Uh, but it was only really available in uh, the Asian market. Uh, and that is the AMD uh, touting competitor to uh, GPD Win 3. And that is the Aya Neo. So this is a very similar form factor. It's a six-inch screen, I want to say. Um, six inch screen powered by an AMD Ryzen 4,500U, yeah. uh, which is a Vega six compute unit, but it's a seven nanometer Vega six. And seven so inch screen, seven inch screen, sorry. Seven inch screen, excuse me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it's a four core, eight threaded CP or six core, six thread. Uh, gosh, I have so many numbers floating around in my head right now. Um, I think it was a six core, six thread with six it's, yeah, compute it's a, units. Yeah, it's, a, it's six compute units. So it was there a we six, go. Yeah. You're six right. core, six thread, six compute units of, of Vega at seven nanometer. Yes. Um, so uh, this <laughs> is going on sale next month, uh, February 15th, I want to say, uh, with a starting price of $699. So a little cheaper. A little bit cheaper. A little um, bit cheaper. No keyboard. Right. I didn't, I didn't see a keyboard. There is no keyboard. The keyboard is onboard only, yeah. uh, or, or touch screen only, touch screen. I should say. Yeah, so There's no slider up. mechanism or anything. What you see is what you um, get. There are a couple additional hotkeys on the front of the unit. Um, you can see kind of off to the side, there's four hotkeys right there and another four right there. So there's like an Xbox button and then there's like programmable macros, I believe on the right hand side. Yeah, um, um, but the, this screen is actually a, a bit nicer. It comes in at twelve eighty by eight hundred. Yeah, so slightly it, higher res, sixteen by ten, res. which I actually prefer sixteen by ten in a lot of my displays. So I, I love how they they both the do form factor. <laughs> it boasts that it can do Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven at thirty frames per second. It's like I don't think anyone's gonna be playing that game on this. <laughs> You know what? I'm gonna try. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it can it can have up to 16 gigs of RAM, uh, 512 gigs. 16 gigs of 
4266 megahertz LPX DDR4. Yeah. Uh, which is the same memory that they're putting into the GPD Win 3, uh, which is a godsend. Is it 16? Yeah, 16 gigs. 16 no, no, gigs is the, the only option, is the only option for the GPD Win 3. Okay. And I believe they have eight and 16 gig options for the Aya Neo, depending on which flavor you buy. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, 4266 DDR4, that is a godsend for integrated graphics because integrated graphics shares memory with the CPU, which means you're bound to the memory speed that you have on the CPU or on your main system memory. And in the case of the GPD Win 2, it was 1866. I can't remember the last time we had graphics memory that was only 1866. Because most of the time it's like 5,000 megahertz or, you know, or 10 or 12,000 if you're if you're on a 3080 or whatever. Um, and yeah, it's also LPX. It's low power X DDR4 4266 memory. Yeah. The stuff is going to be insane. Um, yeah. This one comes with a 512 gigabit uh, NVMe SSD yep. and a 47 watt uh, WH, uh, watt battery. Yep. So I don't know how long they don't say how long the battery will last. From what I'm what, hearing on most most reviews, both of them are saying between three and six hours, depending on your usage. Yeah, that's that's kind. Of, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe when it's brand new and you give it a few months, and you're probably stuck to like. I will two hours. say, I've been thoroughly impressed with the battery life on these, and these are advertised as six hours. I've squeaked six hours out of them before. Oh, okay. Um, so I play them uh, on battery. The thing is though, all the, the thing time. is though, but but <clears throat> I think as these modern ones are coming out, more and more graphics intensive. Uh, I think the CPU and the RAM usage will just be, you know, super high. Uh, depending again, depending on what games you use. But when they're boasting, you can play Cyberpunk on this. I think that's going to be maxing it out, and I don't think you're going to be getting six hours of Cyberpunk. You're not. You know, you're going to be getting two to three hours of Cyberpunk. Yeah. Uh, so like I said between three and six because uh the the games themselves will stop at their v-sync limit and so you can say i want to run at 30 fps or i want to run at 60 fps some gamers are not satisfied at 60. i say on the mobile side as long as i'm playing the game i'm pretty happy with 30. you know why because i can play breath of the wild at 24 on my switch yeah like we and all played that game fine. yeah and and it looks fine and it's the kind of game that you can play that way. I'm not playing Twitch shooters on on these. I'm playing role-playing games and I'm playing things that I don't give a flying rip about the frame rate on. Uh, and I'm just happy to play the game because I'm on a plane and I'm cramped and I'm uncomfortable and I just want to, you know, zone out the next three hours. That's Although, why I want these Yeah, devices. I mean, I think the only thing I really like about the Neo is that it seems to be a lot thinner and it's a hundred dollars cheaper, so it actually looks, uh, it looks more portable. Size wise, the the GPD Win is going to shock you. Like side by side, I've seen some pictures. I'll send yeah? you a video. Okay. Uh, a couple of people have done video reviews, and and it's shocking the difference how dense the GPD Win is. Because I mean, the GPD Win, but it's got that big fan in the back, and you can even see it sticks out. And when it's on that dock, I'm just like, that thing looks. Thick. It looks chunky. It's uh, now here's the GPD Win 2. Yeah, it's a thick boy. Yeah, it's uh, that's, that's, that's kind of what I imagine it's going to look like. The it's GPD Win 3 is thinner than this and slightly wider, but uh -huh. that's it. It comes out to like there. Hmm. 
Um, I'm betting it's probably the size of just the keyboard then. Right. But, uh, you know, for comparison's sake. Yeah, I, I remember that one coming out. I wanted that one so bad when I saw it. Well, uh, let's talk after my GPU. Yeah, I, gets here, I don't want it that bad. I was like, I want it when it came out. I was like, that's such a sweet looking thing. I want that. No, I'm, I'm telling you, let's let's talk after my GPD three comes out. All right, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> I'll give you a beer. <laughs> a beer? Yeah, a beer. I'm not as charitable as my as my viewers are. <laughs> a a beer. A it's beer. A good. It'll be a good beer. Mm, we we need to talk the same language when it comes to good beer first. Oh, it's bar- It's wax dipped. Okay, that, that, that's a minimum requirement. I can get I can get some thirteen dollar bottles that are wax dipped, John. You're not okay. impressing me yet. It's it's you know if it doesn't whatever. say bourbon barrel and two year on it, we're not even in the same ballpark. You might say rye and wax dipped and whatnot. So yeah, how whatever. about two beers? <laughs> RM says we're getting closer. We're getting closer. I mean, one kid. Yeah, I can I can barrel age a Bud Light Orange for you. I know you can, <laughs> except you gave me your barrel. Uh, I got, I got some oak staves that have been aging for a year. Buffalo Trace. Bud Light barrel aged Limerita. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, these, let's see, hang on. So yeah, I don't know. If January uh, 30th, 20 is when I put these in. What are you so, aging? These are oak staves. Okay. And I've been aging them in Buffalo Trace. Okay. For over almost a year, a year and 10 days. Yeah. So I could go make, I'll go take a Bud, Bud Light Orange, pop it in my recarbonator with a uh, an oak barrel-aged uh, stab of Buffalo Trace. You can have Buffalo Trace uh, Can Bud I Light. pick the base beer? <laughs> you want, yeah, Cause, sure. Because I have some I'd like to try. Yeah, well, that, that's that was actually one of the reasons I, I did that. I was like, ah, I'm gonna go make a bunch of barrel aged beer videos. <laughs> yeah. that's gonna be fun. Yeah. Um, anyway, my beer yeah. is dry. Mine is as well. Sweet. Uh, so, do you want to go first, or should I? Uh, I have to go grab mine. Okay. Well, I want to wait till you get back because I'm okay. not gonna introduce right, mine till right. you get back. So I'll go ahead and intro the next story, uh, which is Cyberpunk has released a couple of statements um, about the quote-unquote disastrous rollout of Cyberpunk. So that's CD Projekt Red, for those who don't know. Um, okay. And uh, their uh, their CEO has made a public statement that said, uh, we know we didn't live up to the standards. We did not meet the quality standards we wanted to meet. Uh, I and the entire leadership team are entirely... Sorry for this. Why are you going to next web page? Go back. Um, so uh, the uproar over the, the botch debate caused a 30% drop in CD Projekt Red's shares from December 10th through mid-January, um, which, yeah, I, I don't often say that's kind of deserved, but some people have had a great experience playing the game. I will say my gameplay has been nearly flawless. Uh there's a couple glitches. There's definitely a couple glitches here and there. There's, uh, but there's been nothing game breaking for me. There's been nothing that's taking the enjoyment out of playing it. Uh, I mean, how long, how many years did we go that 
GTA 4 and 5 were like randomly spawning cars on their sides and they'd blow up and then you'd get a warning, a wanted level because it blew up a cop car that was sitting next to you and rammed into you. You know, like these massive open world games, they're incredibly complex in the algorithms they use to spawn different things and whatnot. And I'm not giving CD Projekt Red a pass here. Their launch for the current gen consoles should have never happened. No. But at the same time, there's the other side of the coin that there's a good number of players who are also having a fantastic time and haven't had a single crash. I've had one crash in over 35 hours of playtime. Uh, the only glitches I've ran into are some clipping issues with some AI animations like uh, characters on, I'm on a mission with entering the elevator before the doors open, uh, you know, and like little visual things like that. And it's enough to kind of break my immersion for a couple of seconds and laugh at it. But the story goes on and no one cares. Um, well, they, they even built the software that was, you know, all around this game as the game was developing, too. So right. it wasn't just, you know, oh, we're, we're making a game. No, no they, they made an engine. Yeah, right. our engine. Sorry. Yeah, they, they made a whole engine with this as it was being built. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, this company, CD Projekt, is not like this major company that releases you know, seven or eight AAA titles a year. They're lucky to get one every two or three years. Right. Uh, <laughs> GTA 4 and 5 have actual AI, though. Have you ever stood <clears throat> and watched a pedestrian for more than 30 seconds? It became a meme with Cyberpunk, but do the same thing in GTA. Oh, wait, you can't. They covered it up by calling the cops on you because you're creeping on them. But there is no AI for pedestrian and, and, and whatnot activity. It's fairly random. The cars that spawn have a, I'm turning right right now. That's all they know. <laughs> if user stands for more than 30 seconds, call police. Right. That's AI. <laughs> Go away, you creep. Yeah. It, um, yeah. It, AI in an open world game, you're lucky if you can get the pre-scripted animations to work right, which again, 90% of them did for CD Projekt Red and 90% of them do for GTA. I've also had, you know, the ending ending mission video cinematic that plays in GTA. All of a sudden, a helicopter crashes out of the sky. And, yeah. And when, like, <clears throat> it happens. I'm yeah, not saying no. it doesn't. But, it, but re really, Cyberpunk isn't really... If it was just a PC release, no one would be complaining. It's, a, it's the fact that they released... First time, huh? <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, uh, this is you know, a terrible port. <laughs> um, they did it for consoles, and especially an older model console, because that—that's what the big issue was. They should have, yeah. The biggest issue was the was the current generation PS4 and Xbox One release. Yeah, and, and they really should have, have never happened. They should they should have gone with a PC release on launch date only, and mm -hmm. then said, okay, six seven months from now, console release. Yeah. And we're only going to do it for the latest consoles. That's it. Sorry. That's what, and if that happened, smooth. Although yeah. at the same time, there is the big hype of because it was pushed back, what, three times? Yeah. I think um, that really kind of hurt them. And so they were like, we have to get it all out there. All we have to get it out. I mean, you realize Cyberpunk's been in development since 2014? Yeah, I think it's, it's like a, a seven-year yeah, seven project. Yeah. Right. 
Um, and eventually you need to start returning investment. And they were probably to the point with investors going, it's been seven years, where's my money? Yeah. And we have to launch. And, and unfortunately, when you are a publicly traded company, when you're in Ubisoft, when you're in EA, and even when you're a cyberpunk and, and CD Projekt Red, you have to make money. Yeah. At the end of the day, you have to make money. And developers knew the game wasn't ready and wasn't playable on current gen consoles. No. They knew. But well, 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 there's other days, people running the company as well that yeah. said release it anyway. Yeah. Well, for 10 days, their shareholders were happy. Right. They, they were the number it sold one. millions of copies. Yeah, yeah. Like, for the first, first 10 days, they were the most profitable company in Poland. Right. So, uh, or the, the highest grossing or the largest company in Poland. But yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I, it's it, it's bad. I'm glad <laughs> they, they did that. Although the way they're going about it, I don't know if they're them saying, we're going to focus on fixing all the bugs first and then we're not going to release any patches or, or any um, additional updates. I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, you, you can go with throw new content at it, and if the bugs still exist, then the players who like it will stick around and buy them, and, and the players who don't like the glitches will, will bug out. Or you can say, let's get the bugs so it's playable and try to get the last little bit of the player base in that really cares about the fact that V stands up on his motorcycle in the Jesus pose every once in a while, yeah. Uh, which is another <laughs> glitch that I've ran into multiple times. But again, yeah. but it doesn't affect glitch. anything. Yeah, It's just a naked V standing up like this on his motorcycle. Um, you know, like which way do you go? There is no right answer. It's choose a path and do it. Yeah. And so as bad as this launch was, um, the game is still, I'll say fairly playable. Um, now it's not playable on low end systems very well. The previous gen console buyers got screwed and that's inexcusable. Yeah. I'll, I'll just say that and I'll end the statement there. I was about to say, but it's still kind of, I'm going to leave the statement as it's inexcusable for them. No. Um, they should have never sold a product that didn't work. Like I said, they, they really should have on launch date just said, sorry. It's not ready for consoles, PC right. only. Right. That's what they really should have done. Right. They should have bitten the bullet, and then that would have drove up the market. Like, you know what? There's there's some bugs on PC. It's kind of expected for a brand new, but it's such a great game. I can't wait for it to come out on console or or for my console. Yeah. That's what they should have done. It would have it would have drawn people in, just like Red Dead Redemption, when people are like, I want to play on my PC. Uh. Was this as bad as Fallout 76 or was that worse? Oh God, Fallout 76 Fallout was 76 a thousand times worse. worse. Oh way my worse. God. That was a complete disaster. That game sucks today. That was un unplayable. Right. At least people liked this game. Um, and and at, Fallout 76 played with a good frame rate, but there was absolutely no content. And there was absolutely no topping Bethesda for bugs in that game. Now, Bethesda releases are known to be very glitchy anyway. Like I said to console owners, first time. Um, do you remember Skyrim on release? Like <laughs> one of the most played games of the last decade. By oh, the yeah. way, it was released in 2012. Um, that game is still glitchy as all hell. As, as far as things that spawn out of position and carriages that randomly start spinning in the air and giants that sink through the ground or you know like the glitches are endless why, in, why in fix Skyrim. Them when people are playing it though but you know? 
Yeah. Everyone loves the game. Yeah. And I will say Cyberpunk drew me in not quite as much as Skyrim, but drew me in quite a bit because the ambiance and and the overall environment. Now, again, I'm playing on an RTX 2070 Super, 1440p, 144 hertz with like settings just dialed for that. And God, it's a beautiful game. Um, I could see if you were struggling with hardware where you didn't have as good of an experience. Um, you know, models not rendering will take me right out of it. Like like the whole blotchy console-like rendering that was happening. Uh, Madden's, Madden fans in the stands had better rendering than some of the Cyberpunk 2077 NPCs that I saw. Um, but in my copy of it, my build, my, my PC, I enjoy it. Yeah. And 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 it has everything that I want in a game to suck me into it. It has engaging and, characters, it has a pretty good story. Um I enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh. All right. Let's All go right. ahead and open our next All beer right. now that you have yours. All right. I have I might have to open a different one because of whatever you have, but currently I am oh. holding Adriat Theories Negation uh Russian Imperial Stout. Um, twelve percent. Okay, twelve percent. Uh, mine's a thirteen four. Okay. Uh, mine is from Zipline Brewing Company. I've heard of them in Omaha, Nebraska. I have actually heard or of or Lincoln, Zipline Nebraska. Brewing. Excuse me, Lincoln, not okay. Omaha. Sorry, everyone in Omaha, you don't live in Lincoln. Uh, uh, Zipline Brewing Company, Calvera the Stout. Okay. So I've had the so that they have two stouts. They have the stout, uh-huh. and then they have the Calvera stout. Okay. Okay. This is an ale brewed with uh, with cocoa, cinnamon, vanilla, peppers, and aged in bourbon barrels. Thirteen point four percent, and that's what it looks like. Oh, hang on. <laughs> what? Hang on. There's no freaking way. There's no freaking way. Ah, damn it! Ha 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 ha! Nope. Have that one. Nope. <laughs> I just have the stout. But yeah, I gave you the stout. Yes, yeah, so I, I that's why I was like, I, I've heard of that brewery before. I know yeah. I have something like that. Yeah, no, I gave you the stout. Yeah. I kept the pepper one for myself. Okay, yeah. That, well, yeah, because when you said it, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I've heard of that brewery before. Yeah, no, I knew you had the stout. Yeah. Well, so this okay. is the Calvera stout. Ah, uh, okay. So wait, that's cinnamon? Did you say there's pepper in it? Or there's cin- pepper. Oh, you don't like hot beers. I do. Do you? Oh, I I do. Oh. I had you that said... that jalapeno mead like there was no tomorrow. That hang was on. delicious. Well, then hang on. Oh, John's gonna go pepper beer on us. Uh... So that's what it looks like. And let me just say that head looks dark on camera. It's even darker in person. Like th- this ain't no creamy white Guinness head. This is uh. That's just straight up dirty water. Uh, eh. Yeah, I'll stick with it. Oh. oh. That's weird. That's, that's good. I'm waiting for John to get back, but I'm also enjoying that beer. <laughs> so, so that's weird. So I just looked at my bottle of the stout. And it's 13.8. Really? Yeah. Yeah, the the stout is heavier. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Yeah, the pepper stout is 13.4, but it's got peppers in it. All right, well, whatever. So it had a head on it that dissipated very, very quickly. Um, but I, I had a head all the way to the top. Um, and it looked like dirty water. Like it was a dark, dark head. <laughs> Skull says, dang it, John, making me look up additional beers. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. That is good, Ooh. and that is dangerous. Wow. Mine's good. It's not my. So mine's not barrel aged. It's just a bit, <clears throat> big Russian Imperial Stout, twelve percent, and it's exactly what you would expect. It's not as bitter as a Rasputin, and it's yeah. just dark chocolate flavor. That's yeah. all it is. It's not super thick as you would think of. A bourbon, it's it's thinner than a bourbon barrel age, but it's just dark chocolate beer. Right. With some roasty um, notes. So yeah, again, this is uh, cocoa, cinnamon, vanilla, and peppers aged in bourbon barrels. Um, vanilla is one that usually gets a little bit lost and muddled in yeah. stouts. This has some vanilla poking through. And yeah, you can if you delicious. can get some vanilla uh, that oh, actually show up in a beer. Right, that's really good uh, you, against the other very strong flavors. Yeah, and I taste everything in this beer. Uh, the the heat is just that background little bit of fire when you're done, um, which is exactly how I like it. I don't like the heat up front. What I like is just that lingering, you know that. I just got done, you know, taking a drag on a cigarette, and I'm going. Oh, it's oh. that kind of heat, which is which um, is actually funny. I actually so when I cleaned my fridge out, um, I didn't put this in my video, um, but uh, as I was doing it, I got to organize. These are all the beers I have saved for Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I had that same shelf on mine for John, <laughs> and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. But one of them, because I, I, again, I didn't know you actually like type of beers. I thought you'd actually dislike them. No, but it's pickle I have, beer. Pickle beer. <laughs> I have a jalapeno IPA for you. Oh. And it's actually, I I like it. It's not hot, but you taste jalapeno. See, and I, I love jalapenos. Absolutely love jalapenos. It's a great, it's a great IPA. It's a, you know, it's like a six, six, five, something like that. So nothing, okay. nothing big. Yeah. Um, it's a clean IPA with just this nice jalapeno nacho flavor to it. And it's like, yeah, I totally get it. It's That's really awesome. well balanced. Yeah. So that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other reasons why we got to get back, I was like, oh, we got to connect to mm -hmm. give you the rest of that beer. But no, um, it's bourbon barrel aged. I get bourbon in it. The bourbon comes in right at the same time the vanilla does. Up front, it's all chocolate. The cinnamon kind of carries throughout, and then you're left with a little bit of heat on the end. Like everything in the description is right there. And it's very accessible. And that's always good, yeah. And it's clear cut. Um, there's no coffee in this, which is really surprising for a 13.4. There, there's no like roasty espresso kind of notes poking through. It's it's chocolate, cinnamon, vanilla, and a little bit of heat. And and some bourbon mixed in for good measure. Oh yeah, no, that's that's always nice. I um, like it. I like this one a lot. Yeah, there was a stone. Yeah, I think the worst, the one of the worst beers I ever ever had was a pepper beer. It was Stone's Punishment, and it oh, was like yeah. it oh. was like a habanero, um, yeah. ghost pepper, 
and it was horrible. I, was yeah. like, I, I think I even was able to save it for a year and just had friends like, you have to try an ounce of this. Right. And, you know, it tasted like drinking hot sauce with alcohol. Yeah. It was so hot. I was one of those friends. Thanks. Yes, I know. Yeah. <laughs> that was awful. Yeah. That was oh, awful. Okay. I will say, I mean, this is a nice beer. This is just a really good example of a good, big imperial Russian stout. Nice. So I, I'm still very happy with it, though. Awesome. Um, All right. Uh, before it was Can It Play Crisis, the meme, and back then we just said the joke, because meme is now joke. Doesn't mean yes. meme anymore. Uh, the joke was Can It Play Doom? If there was any electronic device in your collection, the question was Could it play Doom? It could be a photocopier. Oh, it could I, be, uh, I remember having an old junky laptop my dad had, and it was, you know, one of those big, thick ones. I was like, oh, can we get Doom on this? Yeah. You know, with the eight-inch screen and everything Eight-inch like passive matrix. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's like, can we get Doom on this? You guys complain about latency and pixel response now? Yeah. <laughs> Try one second of motion blur. <laughs> Turn. Okay, now I can shoot. Yep. I'm getting hit. Uh, uh. Yeah, you, you guys complain about lag and latency. You don't know trying to play two seconds behind your video when you're playing Doom. Uh, so yeah, the, the joke used to be, can it run Doom? And, and, and it wasn't like, can your PC play Doom? It was, can anything else that wasn't designed to play Doom play Doom? Yeah. And so Doom has been ported onto just about everything, uh, from Tamagotchis to... Uh, the iPhone to literally photo photocopiers and oscilloscopes and I'm not making any of those up by the way. Oh no, I, I I've seen the photocopier one. Right. So there's one piece of technology that has eluded doomness, <laughs> and uh, it's kind of a weird one because there was a port of Doom on the SNES. There was Wolfenstein 3D and Doom for and the Doom. for the SNES 16-bit. Yep. Um, however, Sega Genesis never got that port. Well, some, uh, enterprising modder decided, you know what? It's time to cross the Sega Genesis off that list. And so he ported natively onto a cartridge, the entirety of Doom. You can now play Doom on a Sega Genesis. And I kind of want this ROM. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he flashed it over to, over to EverDrive, and it plays. It totally plays. Here's it playing on a CRT. Of course, I can't go full screen. I'll do that. There we go. There we go. Perfect. So here's EverDrive. And there is Doom in all of its 16-bit <laughs> glory. And I might add, 45 frames a second? Like, it's not a bad tick. Plays better than it did on the Super. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that looks basically PCS-esque. Mm -hmm. I love that the, they put a CRT in, uh, you know. The, oh, oh, you had to. You had to. I mean, it was like. Right. Um, and that's an old one, too. Oh, yeah. Well, no, it's a Trinitron, so that would have been early 90s, like 94. Well, that's uh, Sega would have been 91, right? The Genesis would have been 90, I want to say. 
because uh, SNES was 91. Se Sega beat uh, Nintendo the 16-bit. I want to say it was 1990 the Genesis came out. Sega 16-bit. Yeah, I don't care about it. Sega was always tops in hardware until after 89. the Dreamcast. 89. It was 89. 89. Wow. Was that 89 Japan and 90 US? Oh, I didn't tickle at that. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Japan doesn't count. That's yeah, true. <laughs> you know, back in those days, there was like 18 months between regional releases. It was nuts. North American release date, January 9th, 1989. Oh, January 1989. Yeah, so really, 89 wow. hard date. Hard for North American release date. So, wow. Yeah. So really, more likely 88 for Japan. 88. Wow. So, yeah. I didn't expect that. So, yeah, Nintendo was uh, was way behind. I, I for some reason I remember it being like a year, couple months, like ten months behind for some reason. No, the SNES I think was ninety one. Yeah, I think Nintendo. Well, again, like I said, I think I thought Sega was like a Christmas ninety. Yeah. Or, so, eh, although I was only five at the time, so. Super Nintendo, November twenty first, nineteen ninety. Okay. Yep. Yeah, we got ours in ninety one. We got ours. I got like ours in my February, ours in March ninety one. Yeah. No, we we tried. I remember my brothers trying to win. Uh, Stephen, my brother Mike, trying to win it. Oh no! Off North radio. America, North American release, August twenty third, nineteen ninety one. It came okay. to Japan, uh, November twenty first for holiday, uh, nineteen ninety. Ah, so we got so ours. It was, was ninety one, maybe even ninety two. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it didn't launch in Europe until June nineteen ninety two. Like I said, there was like. 9 to 18 months between regional releases back then. Uh, came to Brazil August 30th, 1993. <laughs> Gosh. And was in production until 2003. Wow. Which is funny because I almost... That's a I almost... 13 year lifespan. You thought the PS2 had legs? Yeah. <laughs> I almost broke mine today. Yeah. <laughs> I was playing in the Ethernet card for my computer in the garage and yep. I knocked over my uh, my Super Nintendo first gen by the way mm -hmm. <clears throat> with the awful coloring mm -hmm. on the plastic but it it, it uh, like snagged itself on some spare cords I need to borrow that one of these days to to replay my Final Fantasy games up here Oh if you got any consoles I have original uh hookups power supply controllers Sweet. I just don't have any games <laughs> See I have games I have no consoles Yeah so. Um yeah, this I, this system would make Epos Vox jealous. Yeah, the Gen One. <laughs> yeah, we had a Gen One SNES as well. Yeah, uh, we we had one, but I remember because I remember my brothers were trying to get one forever, and I we had a, a SNES, but uh, mm -hmm. they never let me play it. But we had an Atari um, sixty four hundred, and I got to play that all 56. the time. Fifty six. 600 yeah something like yeah. that it was, was it was 2626 or 54 so it would have been 5400 probably yeah um so that was mostly my console growing up for the longest time yeah and uh, then my grandma I'm, had a 2600 and she also had an nes um i grew up on the nes um and uh 
yeah, we we had the SNES. I was a I was a split household, so we had the Sega and the SNES under the same roof. It was weird. Oh, we had um, a, S, uh, a Sega for like three weeks. I bought it off. So that was the thing. It's like I won it off of a bet from my neighbor. Who again, we were like you know seven eight years old, and his mom was like, "No, doesn't count." And but he kept we we had it at my house for like two weeks and she's like i paid so much money for this and my seven-year-old didn't know what he was talking about and right. and she took it back from us I was like yeah. how dare you yeah. <laughs> i won that fair and square yeah but yeah we were a nintendo only uh household yep as were most households back then which is why sega decided to get out of the console business after the dreamcast <laughs> yeah this is stupid i'm going home <laughs> But yeah, if you if you I'm have gonna go make a, crappy Sonic games for the next thirty years, and then Nintendo <laughs> will just license them. <laughs> that was um, the dirtiest thing ever when <laughs> when when Sonic started Sonic. showing up in GameCube games in 2003. I think it was like the, uh, the Olympics. Uh, the, yeah, Sonic. Yeah, the, yeah. Mario the, Olympics. Or Mario whatever, Olympics or Nintendo and then it was Olympics like or whatever. Sonic yeah. appears and it was supposed Winter to like Games the, 2002. Uh, like the biggest battle between Mario and Sonic. I was like, this is such yeah. a dumb game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to say it was Winter Games 2002 because it was the like, Winter yeah. Olympics or something like that. And it was Mario versus Sonic. And it's like, yeah. Sonic on a Nintendo? I feel dirty. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. It was yeah. like, Ugh. Ugh. Um, So, but if you have a uh, Sega 16-bit, you can play Doom now. Mm -hmm. If you go and get this, which I haven't seen. Uh, did he talk about selling? I don't think um, he can even sell this. I don't think he can sell it. Um, but uh, no, I totally want this ROM. <laughs> I just want it for my collection. Because I think it'd be great. All right, moving on to our cover story. Sorry for making you wait so long, but... Uh, <laughs> An hour and a half. Yeah, it's 90 <laughs> minutes. It's a two-hour show. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to lead with your best and you lead and you you finish with your second best before we get into Star Trek talk. That's how it works. Exactly. Uh, actually, the story just was last on the chart that we added and I didn't have time to organize it before. So. Anywho, uh, AMD has filed a very interesting patent this week. Uh, they are patenting the chiplet design. Now, for those who That's aren't aware... Chiplet but it's chiplet. It's kind of like chiclet and they look <laughs> like little chiclets, um, but it's the chiplet design. So for those who don't know, uh, AMD as of the Zen 2 architecture, so the, the Ryzen 3000 series, um, are no longer all of their cores and IO and, and all the other requirements for a CPU sitting on one single die chip. Yeah. So instead you're buying a processor with, one die that is an IO controller and another and multiple other dies or sometimes one sometimes up to 4 or 8 depending yeah, on like the silicon you get up to 6 but yeah 8 right um well 64 core threadripper has 8 <laughs> okay okay yeah right there's a lot of chiplets on that thing yeah um uh with up to 4 with up to 8 cores per chiplet and uh, those chiplets connect to the I.O. die via a shared uh, cache called the Infinity Fabric, which lets them share cache between CPU cores, uh, which is one thing that has led to quite substantial improvements in single-threaded performance, lower latency on the chip, and just overall better power efficiency. Not only that, but from a manufacturing standpoint, AMD only has to make like 
four chips anymore because they make this chiplet design and they bin it based on whether it's a four core chiplet or an eight core chiplet or a six core chiplet um, and pair it with other like chiplets. They all, they're only making one chiplet that goes into like everything. Uh, that also, they also manufacture the IO die, which is just the, the USB and the memory controller and a couple of, you know, PCI Express and all that, all the hookups that you need to get the CPUs to actually communicate with the rest of the board is yeah. on the IO chip. And, uh, which means they can get really good bins and still really good bins because whatever bin they get, they're going to be able to sell that in whatever price market, but they're only making one chip. Whereas Intel, they have multiple fabs making i7s, i3s, i5, Xeon, Platinum, blah, 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 modems, 5G. Like it's all coming off the same fab, but they're making multiple different processes to do it. Um, AMD goes, why would we do that? Let's make like two or three chips and call it a day and just glue them all together. Ha-ha. Yeah. Ha-ha. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Intel. <laughs> what? What? <Andy>? Glue. <laughs> they basically oh. glued them together. That's never going to work. Oh, crap. They passed us. <laughs> um, right. Um, anyway, uh, AMD filed a patent this week for chiplets, which it's like, oh, yeah, we knew they we probably know had that, that in the yeah. bag. But chiplets, as it relates to GPU architecture, Ah. Which has not been done before. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now imagine the strides AMD has done with your processor. Now put that into G- a GPU. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh-huh. So uh the same thing with Intel correlates to the same thing with NVIDIA, where NVIDIA makes multiple different processes, uh and they make GPU dies, and then they cut them down to size based on the the binning performance. So based on clock speed or quality of the bin and, and that kind of thing. Um, but NVIDIA also makes multiple different fabs or multiple different silicon wafers and cuts them out into, well, this is a, a GU or GA-104 versus a GA-106 versus a... And they can only bin a GA-106 as a GA-106. And it's either going yeah. into a 3060 or a 3060 Ti. Although one of them, you get six gigs of RAM. The other, you get 12. Yeah. and, and then Guess even which one? With, yeah. And then By the way, they're with, backwards. Yeah. <laughs> even within that little wafer, like there's, because they're, they're such large cutouts too, certain ones are bad. And so right. they lose a little bit extra right. too that they can't use. Right. Um, and uh, they've tried to resell those before, like the the 2060KO was a cut yeah. down GA-104, which is the 2080 die, the same die that's in the 2080 and 2070, would usually be a TU-106 uh, uh, for, the, for the 2060. Well, instead they use a TU-104, and so you got all the RT and Tensor cores from a 2080 accidentally, but the CUDA cores from a 2060. Yeah, um, but that- that's the beauty of the chiplet design right. is that theoretically you'll get less uh, bad bad cutouts. Right, and so and so if you look at the the compute units of of a Vega die or of a Navi die or RDNA two, you can say well they make an eighty CU and a seventy six CU and a fifty CU and a forty CU. Well, what happens if they make a chiplet that has 
36 CU. And now they can put four of them with an IO die with a shared cache. Yeah. Looking pretty promising, right? Yeah, yeah. Because all of a sudden you have 144 uh, CUs. By the way, how's that for quick math? Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, 144 CUs and an IO die. And they're all the same bin. And well, maybe some of the the dies don't quite get 36. Maybe you can make a, a 28 CU. And so now you can have, gosh, what is that? Uh, 112, uh, 112 CU instead of 144. And so you call that a, what are the current product names? I forget. You, you have a 7,900, which is yeah. your 144 CU. And you have a 7,800, which is a 112. And guess what? They're the same parts. And guess what? So is the next level down and the next level down and the next level down. You're making one part, which means you can bin it to hell and back and still make a profit off pretty much every single piece of that wafer. Yep. And the best part too, on top of that profit, it's, it's still, still faster. W- it's faster and way cheaper. It's faster, than it's current- cheaper, it's more efficient. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So imagine those those current cards now, and just like the AMD processor of the value per performance, imagine mm-hmm. that in your graphics card. It's going to be amazing. You're sitting there looking at that $1,000 graphics card. Uh-uh, uh-uh. We're looking at a $500 graphics card. Right. Theory, I mean, that performs like a thousand dollar graphics. Yes, exactly. You know, um, but this will be first gen with this patent. So maybe wait till right. second gen. Right. <laughs> but um, but again, that was just the patent for this. There's nothing else we know about it other than they filed a patent for it. Um, and but that usually means we're probably going to hear something really soon. Later it's probably going to be coming around pretty soon. Yeah. So so RDNA three anyone? Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. Almost as excited as uh, today's sponsor. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are you, Linus? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm budget Linus. What do you want, a tech tip? <laughs> uh, I got a tech tip for you. <laughs> 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 it's a really good beer i i'm enjoying mine as well it's very 9 40 and i can say this is a really good beer there you go all right um all right uh well speaking of beer we <laughs> we have a little bit of beer news so, uh, actually this... uh, who, who is that rm5000 sends in ars what what currency is ars i didn't uh australian no, Argentinian. Argentinian. Hey, chiclets. Chiclets are uh, little candies. <laughs> yes. I think he knows that. I think he oh, was. Okay. We were saying chiplets a lot. So he says chiclets. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. They're kind of like little chiclets. Anyway, yeah. 50 Aust- uh, Argentinian. Thank you. Thank you, RM5000. That's awesome. Uh, Andrew, $2 donation. Uh, what do you think of running Linux on the MacBook M1? issues they announced it three hours ago what do you want me to have a hot take now let me tell you my hot take (laughs) i think it's freaking awesome uh so there is an ubuntu port for the m1 that's based off the raspberry pi ubuntu mate project um i am very much looking forward to trying it so you can boot it off a usb-c thumb drive and have it as a live linux distro um 
And uh, I'm definitely looking forward. So they got everything, uh, everything working. I2C, power sleep, wireless, it all works. I'm still looking forward to trying this. I'm especially looking forward to trying Steam on Linux on Apple Silicon. <laughs> That's what I want to try. So uh, it sounds really interesting. Uh, and uh, certainly with the improvements that we've seen just from Apple on the Silicon, let alone Linux compatibility with a lot of devices. By the way, um, I was running Pop! OS on my GPD Win 2 until today because I got a new part in that I needed Windows to be installed on. And so I reflashed it. But Pop! OS perfectly running on the GPD Win 2. And I was thrilled running it that way. Um, it was awesome. And I'll, I'll probably end up installing Pop! OS on my GPD Win 1 and keeping this as a RetroArch dedicated handheld. Um, because that this thing be is a PlayStation and PSP machine. Like, eats them oh, for breakfast. It, it, it looks like a PSP. It looks like a PSP, and I love the form factor of it. Yeah, um, I mean, that, that literally is a PSP right there. A right. little bit bigger, but yeah. Right. But uh, but it's it's been fantastic. And playing, like, Madden 2012 for PSP on this device, like, heck yes. <laughs> it's been great. Jeffrey lived in the Brett Favre Green Bay era. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> yeah. I got no problem with Brett <laughs> The I hate Detroit to say I have the Detroit Lions still sucked back then, Jeff. I know. I hate to say I have any problem with Brett Favre, but they had Brett Favre and won two Super Bowls, and our quarterback was running out of the back of the end zone. So <laughs> that's what we got. We got we got Matt Millen and <laughs> You, yeah. you got a new coach this year, so maybe that'll help you. Six-year contract. Anyone got I the over/under on that? that because was... I'm taking the under. Oh my gosh, that that's gonna—he's gonna be fired in three. Not even that two. He'll be fired in two. Yeah. Uh, well, even Patricia made it two and a half, which yeah. I was mind-boggled with. I love that we went from uh, uh, Jeff Jim Schwartz, uh, who took us back to a respectable franchise. Like we're 500 and fighting for a playoff spot every year. Honestly, if you're the Lions, that's a good of a turnaround that you can expect. Um, like he was like seven and nine, nine and nine, nine, nine and seven. Yeah, uh, but, but had, the, had the 11 and five year that was like, we should have done more and then lost to Minnesota in the first round. Like, or, or no, we lost to the Saints in the first round. Um, but he had us competitive again. And then they said, no, 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 competitive is not enough. We need to win. Yeah. And so they went over to, I don't even remember our last coach's name. <laughs> I feel really bad. It's the, uh, the, uh, oh no, not the last coaches. I don't remember the. Yeah, no. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's Matt Patricia on the outgoing. Yeah. Who was, Matt, who was the guy know. who never smiled? I don't remember. But uh, well, sideline well, going, I'm, I'm incredibly excited right now. Yeah. Our team's doing really well. But um, uh, yeah. Like well, again, but, Nine and seven wasn't enough and, and, and whatnot. It's like, doesn't matter well, that Calvin oh, Johnson retired. Doesn't matter that you guys can't draft anyone and no one talks, you know, GM to coach or what personnel that we need. Let's draft yeah. another wide receiver. Yeah, but then but then they paid for Matthew Stafford and they paid out the butt for him. And they're and like, efficiency wise, Matthew Stafford's top five in the league. 
Yeah, but then they're like, oh, we need the problem is he can't stay upright. Yeah. And they had no running back for five years. That's and they said, hey, Matt, you want to do a three step drop for the next seven years? And he goes, yeah, okay, because if I step back five, I'm going to be on the ground. Step by five, you might get an extra half. You're paying me 80 million. I'm cool with it. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's how half the quarterbacks are like, look, I got to work with what I got. Yeah. I'm not going to complain. They're really the only people that can sit there and be like, look, I get a voice is like the Brady, the the breeze. You know, those are the people that I can tell you what I want and you're going to give it to me because I'm franchised. I'm, you know, he's still, he's still technically a young quarterback. He's only been in what, like four years? So, uh, who? Uh, Matthew, uh, the no. Lions quarterback. No. Four or five years, right? He's only no. been the quarterback for four or five. 2008. Really? Uh-huh. No way. Yes. No. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. No. <laughs> Ow. Matthew Stafford, age 32, was drafted by the Lions in 2009. Drafted, but when he, when was he the head quarterback? 2009. He, oh, my God. He started God. as a rookie. Oh, okay, fire him. Fire him. God. The thing is, it, yeah, Matthew Stafford he, is the Matt Ryan of, of the NFC North. Like, he freaking deserves one at this point. The, the amount of crap that the Atlanta Falcons went through and the amount of turnover that they had at at head coach and running back and all their skill positions and everything else. And, and there's Matt Ryan. Yeah. And, and finally he, he, they broke through and they won one or they, they made it. To they the know they went to the Super Bowl. They lost. Sorry. Food. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I forgot. 27, three. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but they, no, no, they no, went no, to the Super Bowl. They, they lost a 21 point lead yeah. is what it was. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Matt Ryan's my age. Right. Like, Isn't that disgusting? Is it? Yeah, it is disgusting. Like, like you look at Matthew Stafford and you go, oh, he's younger than I am. Oh, I, I, I hate and, watching And we're fo- saying he needs to retire? I don't oh, know I, what I, I would do at this point in my I life. I hate watching football now. I'm like, everyone's everyone's younger than me. Everyone. Is, everyone is young. Other you, than you, like- you, hear, you hear an NBA team hire, hired a, a, a you know veteran center to come in and coach the young guys. And they're like, yeah, he's 33 and well on his way past his peak. But man, if he can do some coaching for our... It's like, oh, come on. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God. Well, whatever. Yeah, he's 33 and he can't jump anymore. I can still run a mile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, there goes that bottle opener. I heard that. That was a bottle opener. Okay. <laughs> and so... Yeah. Matthew Stafford has over 45,000 career passing yards for the Lions and a total waste. I fully agree with that. Matthew Stafford eclipsed 10,000 yards uh, a couple of, or, or no, uh, eclipsed the 5,000 yard mark quite a few times in his career. Um, he had Megatron around him, which was fantastic. Um, but uh, man, they've they've always been missing I, I don't want to say just a piece, an entire component of their team. They've had great running backs. They've had great running backs uh, even in the last 10 years. Uh, they got Javid Best in there. They got, uh, heck, this year they had, uh, gosh, what's his name? Uh, oh my God. Freeman? I want to say Freeman. Um, 
yeah, the, I mean, they've had running backs. Uh, they had uh, Ruben Drone, or not Ruben Drones, gosh, the other Oregon dude. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we've had running backs and they really haven't produced because we haven't had an offensive line. Or we've had a phenomenal defensive line. Like, a, we'll hold you to nine points a game. Unfortunately, our offense can only score seven. And then we've had an offense that'll score 40. Unfortunately, the defense is going to let you score 50. Like, yeah. like, we've always been missing an entire, like, wing of either the offense or the defense that just isn't there. Wow. This year, uh, second Buccaneers, 47 to 7. Yeah. Wow, they got their yeah. behind yeah. wiped. Yeah. No, uh, I only watched, I want to say, two football games all year. And one of them was that game. So thank you for bringing that one back up. <laughs> um, and I watched the very opening kick with Kansas City and was that New Orleans? The Saints? Yeah, the very first game. It was a Thursday night game to kick off the NFL season. It was it was, uh, it was, was Kansas City and it was someone else. And I said, I feel like I shouldn't be watching this because this feels like a super spreader event because they let 15,000 people in the stands. I'm like, well, it's only 15,000 people. It was people. the Bears, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Kansas City and the Bears. And, uh, and I went, I don't feel like I should be supporting this because all those people are going to get COVID. Oh, and by the way, that ended up being a super spreader event for COVID in which like a thousand people died. Oh, geez. Either in attendance or with direct contact with those in attendance. Mm. A thousand people died because of that football game. And at halftime, at halftime, I I, I, I turned that game off and went, I can't support the game with 15,000 people in the stands. I can't do it. The problem was it wasn't COVID. It was the Lions. (laughs) The Lions killed them. They were like, oh, they're going to suck again. (laughs) Yep. That's it. Then five and eleven. Pack it up, boys. Yep. They're like, no, five and eleven. We're back to normal. Yeah, and they were just like, nope, open the I, schools. I can't even live anymore if the Lions are going to keep doing that. And they're like, well, I'm out. That, that's what it was. <laughs> yep. Detroit has had four winning seasons since 2008. I know that. And we've had four playoff appearances. Uh, the one we On squandered the- was in 2011 when we were 11 and five and and freaking world beaters. But wait, and- why, why do you like the Lions? Because I grew up when the man... The man, the myth, the legend was at his absolute best. Barry Sanders. I uh, I grew up in a not football household. They'll um, never won a Super Bowl. But I know they won one playoff game for credit. The Lions have won one playoff game in my lifetime. Yeah. Okay. One. Um, no division championships. None. Like that That was an at-large game. Uh, but... Uh, I grew up in a non-football household outside of like college football. Like, like my parents are huge college football fans and I'm also a huge college football fan, but I also took it like, I like the NFL too. They hate the NFL. And I'm like, who wouldn't want to see people at the top of their game? Yeah. And every time I went over for Thanksgiving to my grandparents' house, you see the Lions they play. had the Lions game on. Yep. And yep. who was my childhood idol other than um, Barry freaking Sanders? I, I, I get that. Okay. Putting down yeah. yard. Oh yeah. In like my formative years. I, and, okay. uh, I understand. I understand that. Yeah. Here's Barry running for 190 yards over the, over the bears or some crap. Like, like, like hell yeah. Give me yeah. that all day long. And so anytime I could watch the lions and tune in and watch Barry Sanders, I was hooked. Yeah, and so that. from like 
age eight or nine, I've been a Lions fan. I get that. I, I, that I can respect. Native Oregonian, like, never even been to Michigan. I was going to say, Lions I fan. don't dis- remember you ever living in Detroit or anything like that. Nope. I was like, why are you a Lions fan? Yep. No, I was and- like, are you like a huge, like, uh, home improvement fan? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, grew up watching Home Improvement, so you know you got that Michigan pride thing going yeah. and, and whatnot. Uh, I do have a cousin who attended Michigan, uh, so uh, I'm not that. necessarily go blue, but you know, at least I have some family connection that that you know that, at least kinda. connects me tangently to Michigan. Oh yeah, but that's it. She didn't graduate from there; she just attended for a year. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but yeah, that's why is oh. because Barry Sanders is the freaking man and oh, all right. Barry, you, you grow I, up. I, I, I can't, I can't disagree with that. I really right. can't. No, Barry Sanders is a man. He's a hall of famer, deserves all the credit. Uh, should he deserved a, uh, a Super Bowl win? Probably. He should know? have deserved a Super Bowl win. I'll say the same thing about Calvin Johnson. I'll say the same thing about Matt Stafford. I can't say much about the rest. Um, Matt Stafford has given literally everything he can ever give to the city of Detroit. Um, and, and I know we're in sports talk and and my analytics are tanking. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> you tuned in to watch me. Um, but Matthew Stafford, like what could, what more could you want out of a franchise quarterback? Someone who's committed to the city, who gives back to the city, who is he does do a, that a lot. baller on the field. Um, who is that? I don't care that I broke three ribs, put me back in. I don't care that I separated a shoulder, pop it back in. I'm going to go win this game. All uh, you know, winning against the Browns. Um, if you ever want an inspirational story, go watch the last two minutes of the lions Browns game. If you just search lions Browns, you'll get the ESPN mic'd up, uh, Matthew Stafford. Cause he was wired for that game. And, and he's on the sideline going, they called a timeout. I can get back in. Ah! And, and he goes in and he throws the game-winning pass with a separated shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no better two minutes in football than those two minutes right there. Um, and Matthew Stafford deserves a Super Bowl. He deserves a Super Bowl. He deserves a Super Bowl MVP. I will say the same thing about Calvin Johnson, but Detroit did to Calvin Johnson what Detroit did to almost every other star player that's been through the, been through there. It absolutely broke their spirit. They no longer want to play football because they play football for Detroit. I, I don't. I don't think it's the team. I, I think it's the management, the coaching staff. And it's been a lot of the management. It's been a lot of. Man, I wouldn't say it's the coaching. I think. I think new coaches well, come there it, very. It starts optimistic. at management and it goes down. Yeah, and exactly. coaching has been an extension of management. And well, I think there's been recently again, like you said, the previous, the third coach back who was semi consistent. Yeah. But then um, the Patriots offensive or whatever, or I think it was the defensive coach. Um, They all came in there very optimistic, wanting to do stuff and management from my understanding held them back and said, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you dirt and you need to make it gold. Right. And so, but um, all right. So it's Caldwell. Yeah. Caldwell. Caldwell. All right. The, the, The Ernie Kent of Detroit. It's it's almost I hope some of you got that because he's currently the Pacers <laughs> or no, that's uh, uh so Ernie Kent was the old Oregon uh head basketball coach for the for college. And uh Ernie Kent was emotionless and never got riled up except when he was on the sidelines. And Jim Caldwell reminded me so much of Ernie Kent. Um 
there was Ernie Kent and there was, who was the, the Blazers coach? Who's now the coach of the Pacers? Uh, McMillan, Nate McMillan. Um, that's who Jim Caldwell reminded me of, was Nate McMillan. Um, because they're on the sideline and they're like, I'm doing it my way. We did our game plan. This is the plan we're going out with. And I we're not gonna... that, I don't care that we're down 30 at halftime. My plan is solid and we will and we just need to execute my plan. Yeah. And, well, I, I hate the <laughs> and while the coaches. other team's making adjustments to put another 15 on you after halftime. Yeah, I, I hate coaches. Caldwell like and that. Ernie Kent and and uh and Caldwell were like, no, we're just gonna stick to our guns stick and we're to gonna our, make it's it. It's a work. solid plan. We just gotta keep doing it. You execute the same six plays. It's going to work if you execute them properly. I want to talk to the manager. I ordered Tech Talk. All right. We, All right. Well, we, Anyways, well, we got a couple beer stories. For we you. do have a couple beer stories. So uh, we have, it's almost 10. So we're, we'll close with a couple beer stories. Maybe John got me into happy. the Lions by calling me a Brett Favre fan. As if there was any higher insult. I know, right? That was a, come on. I, I knew that was going to rival him. He played for the Packers and then went to the freaking Vikings. Like, and still no. went to the playoffs and beat the Packers both times he played the Packers. I know. <laughs> Although he they, even did all right for the Jets. He did. He did. Oh, honestly, actually, when you were talking about uh, good highlights, I love watching Brett Favre highlights. Actually, I do. they're that disgusting. Guy, that guy was a cowboy. Was just like um, I don't care. I'm gonna throw it. I'm gonna throw it. Best game I ever watched in my life was either the 2000 or 2001 playoffs between Green Bay and Minnesota. And uh, uh, it was, uh, gosh, what was it? Was that Brett Favre to Antonio Freeman? Uh, that connection um, where Brett Favre, it, it, it's, it's overtime, by the way, and it's playoffs. So it's sudden death playoffs. And uh, Brett Favre is fading right and fading right and fading right. And he's looking for someone open and he's scrambling and he's making time and he's using his legs like he always freaking did. And someone hits him and he sidearms a, a missile. Just like he gets hit and goes and wings one sidearm. Yeah. And Antonio Freeman's on the sideline and it hits Freeman in the chest and bounces straight up in the air. And the Vikings <laughs> defender was diving to like tackle Freeman, but Freeman fell down when the ball hit him. And so Freeman's laying on the ground and the ball just pops straight up. And so Freeman reaches a hand out and the ball lands on his hand and never touches the ground. Uh -oh. And since Freeman was never touched, he stands up and runs in for a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how the game ends. <laughs> it's great. Oh, like God. it's on YouTube. I know you can find it, but I think oh, it's yeah. either 2000 or 2001. Might've even been 99, but it was, it was in the, in the, Packers like dynasty when they were like in the NFC championship every single year. Yeah. And I couldn't have been more mad at Brett Favre than I was at that point in time. But I watched that game and I'm like, holy crap. And I've always been an Antonio Freeman fan. Like, oh, I don't what? care that he beat me because he's amazing. But Brett Favre <laughs> just pissed me off. <laughs> okay. But that right. play just sticks. Anyway. All right. So some beer news. So uh, recently, uh, Jim Bean has been actually fighting the craft beer industry of saying the rise of people are going to bars and fighting craft beers. So I thought actually, the only reason I bring this particular article up, I just thought the ad itself was hilarious. I don't know, Jeff, did you get to watch the ad? Mm -mm. Oh, oh, it is, it is right. I, I read all the tech news so I could be up. I knew you'd be up on the beer. Oh, I didn't no, have time. The, the, the <laughs> ad, I know we can't, we can't play it, but honestly, it's one of those like, 
perfect Jim B or perfect ads of the guy goes up to a bar and all these snooty beer guys go up to him. You need uh, to have this IPA aged in goat milk. You need to have, <laughs> the, you know, and you need to have this Hefeweizen made with half of the berries and these German people. And then there's this creepy guy with a stout. You need to have this stout. Uh, aged know, in goat you, milk. I and, saw yeah. that. And, and then, and then, so it's just like, oh, would you like a Jim Bean with uh, um, some ginger ale, a Jim Bean uh, highball? Yeah. And and so, but so Jim Bean has a uh, gone to a fight against the craft beer industry. You know, and, and good for him. Yeah. No, uh, honestly, that's that's great. Uh, I I I, in my opinion, why not both? Right. Well, right. Go to the bar, have a beer, and have a have a cocktail. I, I I've long stated on this channel, I am more of a cocktail fan than I am of a beer fan. It's not that I'm not a beer fan. I yeah. love craft beers. I have a really sweet spot for you know Russian imperial stouts and bourbon barrel aged stuff and whatnot. Oh, yeah. I get it, but I also love IPAs and saisons and you know all the really weird like fruited sour crap. I love it. It's great but I love cocktails more. And when I see ads like this, it's like, you can love cocktails too. You don't have oh, yeah. to just like, I'm an IPA fan. You know what my drink of choice in Vegas is? It's a scotch and ginger. It's a scotch and ginger ale or a scotch and ginger beer if they happen to have it. It's freaking delicious. It's usually doer's white label. And so it's not expensive scotch, but it's something you can sip on all night long and never get tired of. And every bartender knows if you order eh and eh, it's two ounces of this and pour this over ice. And so if I order rum and Coke or gym and Coke or scotch and ginger, it's the same ratio. And so everyone knows how to make it. And it's a drink that you can't screw up. Whereas when I go to the parties, they're like, I'm like, what beer do you have? Oh, we have Corona and Bud Light and Miller Light. And I think we have some Budweiser and blah, blah. you know what? Scotch and ginger. Gotcha. And that's what I drink. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, I, I liked it. And I, I just found this commercial very humorous. I was like, it was very playful. It's fantastic. It was, and it's great. It, I, I, I love, I mean, I as you described I, it, it's great. Yeah, I, I got some Jim Bean just, well, this is for a video actually, but I still have some. <laughs> I have no problem drinking it. So I should say, but uh, I love cocktails. I love beer and I love, there's plenty of mixes in between, um, but I think it's similar to the great advertisement, the rivalries, and it's just really good advertising. It's really good it fun. Is. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, closing for the beer news, because that wasn't really beer, but whatever. There is some sad it's news. It's cocktail. This is it also is co cocktail it's, news. It's fine. Yeah, it works. Um, some sad news. Uh, this is a pretty large brewery in locally for us, Portland Brewing Company. Um, they do distribute pretty largely. They are technically owned by a national conglomerate. Mm -hmm. um, but they, but they are... cover a good chunk of pretty much everything west of the Mississippi. Like yeah. if you're if you're Colorado and even some of the flyover states, if you start getting into, you know, Kansas, Wyoming and etc. Have you ever seen like Pyramid Brewing Company? Right. It, that's technically uh, Portland Brewing Brews right. for Pyramid. Right. So um, um, they're, they're 
a brewery that owns. And unfortunately, they are shutting their doors. Um, and they were founded in 1986. They have been a landmark uh, brewery for Oregon and a lot of places. Um, and they will be shutting their doors down. And there is no plans to uh, for any of their beers to be brewed again. Yeah. Now, they did try to resurrect kind of a popular local theme with doing, um, I actually did a review on one of these, the Unipiper. If you are unfamiliar yes. with Oregon's uh, lore. Oregon the, lore. <laughs> uh, the Unipiper is one of them. He is a uh, fantastic bagpiper on a unicycle, usually wearing a Darth Vader helmet and flames coming out of his Flame bagpipe. throwing bagpiper. It, it is fantastic. Google the Unipiper. The Unipiper. You, you don't even have to say Portland. The Unipiper. The Unipiper. That's it. That's um, all I have to say. And by the way, he's at most beer opening events in oh, yeah. Oregon. Fantastic. Fantastic guy. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, so they, they made a beer after him. I did the review. It was an okay beer. Unfortunately, I... I myself personally think a lot of the beers kind of fallen in quality, and um, but I also think it's because they were bought out so for so many times and just passed around. Um, same with Pyramid. Uh, Pyramid has their big apricot ale. That's yeah. probably I think their most famous one. That's, and, that's probably my favorite. Yeah, it's it's my my favorite. I think the apricot and their Hefeweizen are their two top tier. I think they distribute most of the Northwest and some Midwest. Um, and so that one actually even, uh, from my understanding is going to be cutting back. So two large breweries from the Northwest will be shutting down, unfortunately. And I think it's just the, the 2020 issue and just craft beer industry. They can't keep up with the demand of the new school stuff. Unfortunately, just sad news. So. Yeah. Never fun to see a brewery close, especially one that's been around for, gosh, 35 years. Yeah, 89, so. Yeah. So a staple a staple in the craft 86, beer. 86. 86. That's why so I said 35. A, oh, yeah. So a staple in the craft beer community for the Pacific, Nor Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Um, really one of the pioneers. So. Yeah. No, it's uh, sad to see him go. Pyramid, while they were never the best, they were always pretty darn solid. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, oh, yeah, they, I like they, they also did. Uh, uh, they also had their own brand for Portland Brewing, and so you can yep. get some some actual Portland Brewing beers as well. They were always solid oh. and drinkable, and something I was happy to have in my fridge. Yeah, the the, the apricot one. Honestly, it was yeah. early on when I was a new beer drinker. I'd have that in my fridge. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's it's a decent light ale that was perfect for summer. And yeah. you wanted that introduction to fruit beers. Yeah. That was a great beer. Um, and then Portland Brew, they had an okay, decent IPA. That was an introduction. And like I said, the um, uh, Unipiper was their first hazy. My mm -hmm. review of it was that it really wasn't that hazy. Yeah. And uh, they it was hazy couple, inspired, but it, it was, was hazy inspired more. Uh, yeah. I, my review was it, it tasted more like a pale, a hoppy pale ale that looked hazy but didn't taste like a hazy right. IPA. So it shouldn't have been it should have been called unfiltered. And you would have been fine with that. But they called it hazy. Yeah. So yep. Um so there's that. That's the end of all of our news today. That'd be it. Uh 
I got about five minutes to kill before yeah. uh, my bladder decides to explode. So <laughs> I, I, I know what you're feeling. Yeah. How's your beer going? It's delicious. Yeah. I, I've actually, the warmer this has gotten, the nice, sweet, malty uh, roasting notes have come mm-hmm. out. So I've been enjoying mine as well. Uh, Rev, yeah, the pyramid the, apricot is solid. The heat on this one builds up as it gets warmer. Uh, so I started with this definitely below room temperature. I would say it was 45. Now it's solidly room temperature. Um, and 45, I think, was the perfect place to pour it because you got so much of that that vanilla and cinnamon kind of dancing around that I, I don't think I get now. Oh, yeah. Um now I'm getting much more of the chocolate and much more of the pepper. Um, but that's really not a bad thing because it started super, super smooth. And now it's it's turned from that super smooth, not too rich kind of beer. Like I feel like having, like I need some buffalo wings or like some some potato wedges is kind of what I need with this beer. You, you um, need a little fried food bar I need food a little fried it. food, right. I need yeah. a little bar food with this. To now, it's turned into kind of a dessert beer where it's all chocolate, but it's got some heat behind it. And I'm I'm loving it. It's freaking good. We have already had three requests as you were talking for Star Trek. <laughs> well, technically two Treks and one Galaxy Quest. One Galaxy Quest. <laughs> Which is um, yeah, Trek, but... So quite a few years it- ago... Uh, we went up, me and my wife, uh, took a a weekend up to Seattle, um, before my second daughter was born, but we left the first daughter at, uh, at grandma's house. We went up to Seattle for like a a four or five day weekend and just walked the city and and stayed in a nice hotel, like, like 20th floor overlooking the bay and and that kind of thing. And, uh, or overlook, overlooking the sound. And it was great. And we're like, well, what can we do in the city? that we wouldn't normally be able to do at home because Portland and Salem both have pretty good nightlifes to them. And we're going, well, what does Seattle have that Portland doesn't? And one thing we found was not higher prices. Um, One thing we found was a movie theater with two screens that on Friday nights played sci-fi classics in the theater. And was also a bar. And I went, well, that sounds perfect. And it so happens that the night that we were in Seattle, they were playing Galaxy Quest on one of those screens. Nice. So I got a second chance to go see Galaxy Quest in theaters. And it was just as great as I had imagined or as I had experienced the first time. Because I saw the first one in theaters, too. Yeah, I saw Uh, the first one in theaters. But but getting to re-experience that... Oh, and by the way, they also had themed drinks. And so I had like a Romulan ale, which was oh. completely colored blue. It was blue Curacao and vodka. And it it Even though that's honestly not, wasn't that great. Just, yeah, but it was not that great. <laughs> but I'm drinking a Romulan ale watching freaking Galaxy Quest on the big screen. Obviously, they <laughs> had no night. clue what they were doing. But yeah, OK. <laughs> Perfect night. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've already gotten three responses. I have to say you haven't seen it, but they want your response on season on, three of Discovery. And- I've I've seen two episode three, season one of Discovery. No, I find it so hard 
to get into discovery. I will, I will be on that side. I vomited my way through season one and two. If there was a puke bucket and I had the worst flu ever and food poisoning and just vomiting through like the uh, family guy episode where they make everyone puke. That is season one and two. And you have to get through that. Yeah. You have to get through the five minutes of vomit to enjoy the two minutes of prologue. And honestly though, season three, Star Trek. It is Star Trek. Season three is Star Trek, but it is the worst one and two worst vomiting you will yeah. ever go through. And and that's, if sequel still exists in the 2300s, I will slit my wrists right now. Yeah. Like, so. like let's be clear. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the second they went CSI on us, I went, I'm out. Oh yeah, no. I can't. It is, I no, can't. No, 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 season three. Not only will I can't, I won't. Now, I will state though, maybe, maybe I only feel this way because I went from I had to go back to back. It one was and so two. bad. It was so bad. Right. Then I started through like, oh, this is so much better. Season three is going. Come back, baby. You know I love you. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> honestly, here. So here's how I quite. I think season three is as good as Voyager. Okay. So it's not great but it feels Voyager-esque to me. See, and I can get behind that. Um, so. I don't know that I can endure almost 50 episodes of Vomit, though. Oh, it is It is so hard. I it don't is. know that I, I can. It took me almost a year yeah. to watch. To watch. It really, it really did. I, I was like, is there no other crap on Netflix or anything that I can't watch? If you're old enough to I, remember TNG the first time around, this is normal from John. Uh, <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, and I will say, I remember some rough spots. But the thing is... There were rough spots in DS9, so shut there up. There were rough spots in DS9. I, I wasn't even going to go there. I was going to say, consider the other shows that were on at the same time. Yeah. There was nothing else for the sci-fi fan. And so it was that or nothing. And then Babylon 5 came along, you know, season three, and you got a little bit of a reprieve if you you wanted to shoot that direction. But the budget was much higher on TNG. And so the storytelling may have been a little bit better on Babylon 5, kind of debatable. Um, definitely was, a better overarching story than yeah, TNG. That, that, it was, it was a, they took the DS9 approach. But yeah, well, some say DS9 stole the Babylon 5 approach because Babylon, and, and I, Babylon I, 5 I, came I, before DS9. I honestly agree with that. And I do too. Uh, I, I will say DS9 was probably the more popular and the better execution of it, but I, I will give props to Babylon 5 that Babylon 5 was first in the overarching, you know, 24 from Fox storyline yeah. kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, we have a... Continuous long story. Right. And and it and it did very well. Yeah. Um, but in the first three, four, five seasons, what else were you gonna get for a sci-fi fix? Oh nothing. There was nothing. There was nothing. There was absolutely nothing. And so it was either you're a sci-fi Quantum fan leap. and you watch Trek. Yeah. Or you you're not a sci-fi fan. So we accepted a lot more back then. Yeah. Um, whereas today, there's so much good television today um, that it's really, really hard to invest myself 
into 50 pretty atrocious episodes for a well-established canon at this point. Well, yeah. And, and so I think, though, the best, the best part of uh, the issue I always had with Discovery was they put themselves in this where 10 years before, you know, Kirk. Right. And, and so, but the tech was way out there, way advanced. And yeah. that, that, that's because of just modern technology. Why everyone wants to do prequels, I cannot I wrap my know. head around. But then- Tell the fa- a new story. Don't but tell then, us where we're going. Tell us where we haven't been before. So that's what makes season three special is because it does go to the future and it goes. So the latest future prior to discovery season three, the latest future we had was an enterprise when we had the, and there was the temporal Accord. I don't know if you ever watched enterprise, mm-hmm. uh, but there was a, a, the a temporal accords war and it goes beyond that. So, yeah. so now we're actually in a, the furthest storytelling in Trek history. Yeah. And so now it's a completely fresh story. And the best part is it says, hey, here's this old crew basically from Kirk's era Mm -hmm. that we have to dump in here. So it's kind of Voyager-esque of a world we don't know. We have to rediscover everything. We have to still have the um, uh, um, uh, uh, Starfleet morals of the world because it, yeah. it's kind of died. Yeah. And so we're the traditional Starfleet that you and I grew up with. Right. And and now it's been broken so far in the future yeah. and they're rebuilding it. So it is similar to Voyager to where they're always Janeway's always like, no, we have to have the principles yeah. of Starfleet. Yeah. And and really season three has a lot of that. Now there is a couple episodes that are like you know, yeah. this is stupid. Right. Everyone has their holodeck episodes. Everyone has their their weird sex planet. Everyone has the weird episodes. Seven out of the ten or eleven are good. So, whereas before it was one out of the eleven were good in Discovery season one or two. Right, and the other ones were literally like drinking dog beer. So, so John, have you seen this new game that I picked up on Risa? Oh, is that Cyberpunk 2077? <laughs> That's cool. No, it's just there's these discs floating around and you put them into cones <laughs> based on how relaxed you are. Like, it's, oh, it's really? really great. No, I'm going to be a 16-year-old and not want to play a video game. <sighs> but I, because I have a sweetheart <laughs> who's I'm like super hot with and I'm going to play some 80s music around her. Right. I'm surprised they didn't play This Is It during that scene. <laughs> All right. I think that's probably enough. That's probably enough. a good show. So. Uh, anyway, if you are a Patreon or Floatplane exclusive premium member, uh, you can see my unboxing of the Epson BT-30C and see my subsequent rant on why I am so upset that I spent $450 on this box. Um... For the rest of you, thank you so much for watching episode 167 of Talking Heads every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. He's John. John. Make sure to like this video. Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to Hops and Brews if you like the content, the beer content specifically on this channel because uh, he does a lot more deep dives than I do. And uh, 
Oh, drinks I have a lot some, more than I do. I have something very, very special, actually. Do you? Uh, it's, it's, I, it's. Do you want to plug it? Do you want to plug it? Imagine, imagine uh, carboning your own beer with your breath. Think about that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make a beer, carbonate with my own breath. Only if you fermented that beer with your own hair. Ah. You got to do both. <laughs> now that would have been... Schubenbrow. I, really, I really wanted to do that when I cut my hair to <laughs> like know. cultivate that yeast out of that yeah. hair. Schubenbrow. Lisa wouldn't, wouldn't let me keep the hair. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Thank you guys so much for watching. We do appreciate it every single week. Make sure to join the Patreon or Float Plane if you want to keep this conversation going in the after show every Wednesday night at 10.30 Pacific time over on the Discord. Until then, we'll, we'll see you next Wednesday, 8 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news or on Anchor.fm where your favorite podcasts are found. That's right. Later, all. See you guys. <sighs>